Alexa, what is the best podcast in the land? Here's pulling back the curtain podcast registered from Amazon Music. Playing the latest episode. This podcast is sponsored by Sumato Coffee. Sumato Coffee believes that coffee should be unique and high quality from bean to cup. Beyond that, it starts to become stale. At Sumato Coffee, they're incredibly concerned and transparent about when your coffee is roasted. That's why they put the roast date right on the bag. Pulling Back the Curtain podcast listeners receive a 20% discount off their order by using promo code BALLERSCOFFEE. To learn more about Sumato Coffee, please visit them at sumatocoffee.com. That's S-U-M-A-T-O-C-O-F-F-E-E.com. What's happening, people, and what you know good? We'd like to thank you for listening and spending your time with us. This is Pulling Back the Curtain Podcast, the most provocative, the most exciting, the baddest, baddest podcast in the land. We come with the dopest topics, hitting with the rawest opinion while giving you the straight-up facts. No fake news here. I'm Jules. I'm Press. We give sight to the blind, ladies and gentlemen. happening what up with it what you know good and what it do we'd like to thank you for tuning in and spending your time with us you're listening to pulling back the curtain podcast the most provocative and entertaining podcast in all this pandemic land we're hitting you with the dopest topics the rawest opinion while giving you the straight up facts that's right no fake news here i'm jewel st james i'm dead press i'm novak we're giving sight to the blinds ladies and gentlemen on today's pod, we'll pull back the curtains on the ESPN Last Dance documentary as we recap episodes three and four. Fellas, what's poppin'? Man, the usual. It's Monday. I wish it was Saturday. <laughs> I don't even know what day of the week this is, man. <laughs> it, was a, it was a crazy weekend, man. I want to jump briefly into that uh, some Chicago house parties. West side, south side, north side. Yeah, I know they were all going on everywhere, basically. We had the whole city fighting about where the party happened at. I know I had one near me, and I know there was one at Grand Crossing. <laughs> so, uh oh, was you there? Yeah. Or was you there, or was you was you hearing it? Uh, I heard, I heard the first one. I heard the sirens and stuff. Uh, the other one, you know, <laughs> the other one, man. I was see, I was watching Facebook. This uh, this this young lady named Tinka, you know, went went viral everywhere. Talking about she gonna pop out with her mask on. I'm like, okay. Whatever. <laughs> no back, no, no back over here, dry snitching. <laughs> no, <I'm> just, <laughs> hey, hey, I was trying to help Tinka go viral right now. She went viral before. She, <laughs> yeah. Dude, so, 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 what, so, what was it, man? Were, were these people? They were all in an Airbnb, or was it somebody's house? It was somebody's house. You know, somebody's mama. You know, basically went upstairs, locked the door, and let about two hundred people in. That's what went down, pretty much, when I got it. 
Wow. Ooh. Man, Two hundred people in one house? Yeah, they were packed in like it was itself. They packed in like it was Atlanta, uh, North Carolina somewhere. One of them, one of them bad house parties, man. Like the whole front deck was going to fall off. <laughs> and and Lori, she ain't going to be happy about that. That's that's embarrassing this city. You talking about Larry Moe? Oh, no. No. <laughs> no. What do you think she's going to do? What do you think she's going to do? They tagged her. She went viral with them. She watched the video. She was in the watching party. <laughs> the viewing party on Facebook. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> uh, man, you know, she heated right now, man. You know, she's going to make a call to CPD. It's going down. She'll be at the next party. Y'all need to watch out out there. <laughs> well, see, this, so this is the thing, man. So I'm just going to say it. This, this stuff is crazy, right? So it's like, you know, you got this going on. You had those spring breakers acting a fool. You got these protesters out there. Everybody just needs to stay the hell at home. What, what is wrong with these people, man? I, I don't get it. It's a it's a lack of freedom going on right now. I mean, they losing their minds. I mean, you know, people crying about they want to go outside. They didn't go outside when they could go outside. You know, <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> you know, it, it's almost like. It's like that chick that people wanted, and then she got married, and they wanted more. That's what that's like. That's what the outside is like. <laughs> you didn't want her when she was by herself, so why are you wanting now? <laughs> Situation. It's true. Like, like I said on the, on the last episode, man, these people are such in a hurry to uh, go outside and, and do nothing at all. I guarantee you these people at this house party, was they, were they even turning up, or were they just standing around just talking to each other? They had strippers. They had, they had a stripper out there in the middle. It was what? There were strippers at the house party. Oh man! They were th- they were throwing singles at. That was a terrible stripper, and all she getting singles from a bunch of twenty year olds. That was terrible. Oh man! You got a stripper during the pandemic. You should be throwing her ass some quarters. <laughs> I don't even think you call that a stripper. During, <laughs> I don't even think you call that a stripper during the pandemic. You call that a crisis. That's what you call that. <laughs> the milk is going bad. Fuck that. <laughs> she needs the milk. <laughs> <laughs> And they got hyped off a stripper. I mean, it was more chicks in there slapping the stripper on the butt than uh than dudes. That's what they made me mad. I'm like, look at these these special people <laughs> slapping the stripper. Honestly, man, these people they just need to stay at home. You, you, especially on a Sunday or over the weekend, you got the last dance. We know we're gonna do the recap for that episode three or four. So, man, well, Jules, I'm just gonna turn it over to you real quick, man. You a big Dennis Rodman fan? Bro, <laughs> we know. Man, he loves Robin, didn't he? <laughs> he had the shoes <laughs> and the shirt. <laughs> but dude, so what, dude, man? What was your uh, what was your favorite part about uh, Dennis on uh, episode three, man? Oh man, it was so much stuff that he 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 was saying and doing. I want to pick out. There's a lot of them, but I want to pick out one. When it came on, first, first, the show first came on, and he said he could have been a bum, he could have been dead, he could have been in jail, but he said he busted his ass to get where he at, and it goes to show you nothing in life, you know, saying is is easy. If you want something, you gotta you gotta work for it, and that and that man did, and that's what he said coming out the gate. Uh, so I think right there. From the beginning on to the end of that 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 the hour, I thought I liked that when he said that. I was like, man, okay, this dude worked hard and 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 
he's the best rebounder, you know, pound for pound ever. So, so I thought that was nice. And, you know, the other thing, too, about that was, you know, hearing a little bit about his story, um, the fact that his mom kicked him out and the fact that he right. was still, you know, able to persevere through that. So, I mean, that, that was that was crazy. I mean, right. uh, he, he was older, wasn't he, when he went to college, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, he worked for a while before he went to college. So he's about yeah, he was two or three years older. Yeah. Yep. Two. What, what was he? Was it a janitor? Wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he, he like you said, he his mom picked his mom kicked him out. He was messing up. He could, you know, mom was struggling. He had two sisters. Kicked him out. He was pretty much living in. He said he was living outside, living in friends' backyards watching people selling dope and you and doing dope. Now that didn't move him, but here's what the environment, the people he was surrounding himself by, but he was still able for, man, for God, some reason, he was still able to, to stay focused and actually kind of uh, worked out, kept, you know, went to school and stuff and picked up the game of basketball and here we are today. Yeah, man. And the other thing too, that was kind of cool about that situation with him was, uh, just seeing how he dominated at, the, at that JUCO level. I mean, uh, he man, he was he was pretty good in college. He was a scorer and a rebounder. You know that yeah, that uh, didn't, yeah didn't translate to the NBA, but you know, <laughs> you know, no, he, he, he said he's gonna stick to. He said he was gonna stick to uh, <laughs> stick to rebounding uh, defense. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. The hole. So, so, so Novak, man, I'm, I'm going to turn it over to you real quick. So the, one of the things about this episode that really stuck out to me was Dennis, he set, the, he set the tone for the episode right away when he said, hey, all due respect, Phil was awesome, Mike was awesome, Pip was awesome. But he said, hey, he thought, would this team win without me? Well, what do you think? I don't think so. I think I think the, I think the NBA had the NBA had changed again. I mean, from the Pistons era to the to the era of you know, Shaq and Panny, you know, Kobe was coming up at that point. Uh, you know, you had you had uh, you had a lot of stars in the league. I mean, Toronto on the good day can get with you. Uh, you know, the Pistons were decent. Grant Hill was healthy at that point. I just think it. I just think it took uh, it took a lot out of him in that situation. Like uh, I think Jordan was starting to not plateau, but he's starting to get comfortable in his own skin as being a um, a team player at that point. So I think they needed Rodman. They needed that nastiness. They didn't have any nasty in them. There was no big guy out there, and he did all the dirty work. You got to have every championship team has a dog, and he was the dog of that team. Oh man, yeah, you you said you said a mouthful when he said he was he was a dog. That dude, Dennis was like what what's what's how Stacey King put it, the hard hat lunch pail worker. Yep. Uh, Dennis was that that dude right there, and the killing part about it was he. What he said, he said he likes to feel that pain. Right. He said he want that abuse. He wanted to do the dirty work and get that abuse and bring the hurt on him and bring that pill. He wanted to know what it felt like. He wanted his nose broken and stuff like he, he should have played hockey, I guess. I don't know what the you know. <laughs> but a guy like a guy like that is very dangerous on the court because he'll sacrifice he'll 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 die for that uh for that sport. So this yeah. is another reason why I think that made Dennis Dennis the man on on defense. That 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 also the Bulls wasn't gonna win any championships without him. 
I think he gave them their identity in that second go around. So the first go around, he had Horace Grant, and you know I was indifferent when it came to Horace. Horace is solid. You know I, I thought Dennis gave this, this team a little bit more than what Horace brought to the table. Dennis had no fear. He didn't back down from anyone. We talked about it in our previous podcast where how he would stick Shaq one on one with no double team. Right? He mm-hmm. had his battles with Frank Burkowski, Sean Kemp, Carl Malone. I mean, you guys, we can go on and on, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. that that was what was missing to me, having that guy that just had that that screw loose <laughs> and just didn't care, right? <laughs> so yeah, I think, right. Dennis, yeah, Dennis, he definitely brought a dimension to that team that was definitely lacking. And also the one thing that I really respected about Dennis over time with him was just the fact that he was really selfless with his game. Um, he mm-hmm. did all the dirty work like you guys mentioned. He would take the charges. He would grab the rebounds. And you know the guy was playing hurt most of the time he was out there. Yeah, he was banged yeah, up always, pretty good. He always looked like he was uh, – he's always banished up and, you know, you know, fingers all taped up and stuff and just just in that, uh, that, that, that ice bath, you know, trying to get his body back in shape. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but you got to think about it in that situation is that he 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 enjoyed pain so much. You know, it probably aroused him out there. I mean, he's one of those people. That, <laughs> he's, one of those, he's one of those people like, you know, he probably take a charge and just be like, yeah, that's what I need to get me going right there. You know, uh, you know, he's a different beast. I mean, I, I know people get hyped off of dunking or just getting the basket. He, got, he probably got hyped off of just getting hurt or getting pushed down, you know, hey, you and guys point, probably realize that. The guys probably realized I might have turned that man on. I can't push Dennis again. <laughs> <laughs> I think so I think Carl Yeah, Carl definitely felt that pain because Carl didn't want any smoke with Dennis at all. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, <laughs> man. Yeah. Uh, so you see that you see that nail polish reaching from behind on you, like thinking there's a chip in his nails. Just glossy finger. <laughs> <laughs> Over there grabbing booty, man, in the post, man. Come on, man. You saw that. Uh, Pippen, you saw that Pippen picture, right? Yeah. Yep. Oh, oh my God! He grabbed Pippen's butt. Oh. <laughs> but you know what? That was the thing. That was one of the parts about his game that 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 I liked. You know, is the fact that he was able to play mind games with these guys and get them off their off the game, right? And then after that. They're throwing up shots that don't make sense, and the next thing you know, they're committing stupid fouls, getting texts, getting fouls, and you know he's smiling the whole way. He don't care. <laughs> so, just Dude, really yeah, I think that's from that's I think that's from that that bad boy days, man. They was yeah. getting in your head, man. Yep. And that was part of his that was part of his uh his 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 his, his repertoire, his, his his tactic, getting that so, getting that head, man. By any means, I by, mean, any, by means. any means. Yep. So you so you bring up a good point. So you talk about those bad boy days, right? So we know the battles that the Bulls and the Pistons went through, right? And the lumps that Mike and Pip took over the course of those battles. So what does it say to you guys about Mike and Pip being willing to even play with a guy like Dennis? It, it just says they were ultimate professionals in that situation. I mean, they, you know, they didn't take it. They, kick, they took it kind of personal, but they realized that they needed Dennis in order to win, you know, going forward. So I think so I think a lot of it was you know they realized that what happened in the past happened in the past. You know Dennis actually made them tougher in that situation. I mean it ran Horace away. You know Horace didn't want no hurt. Right. Yeah. Horace <laughs> ran away and he's out there doing interviews right now, making comments. <laughs> it was good to see Horace, man. What's up, Horace? 
<laughs> Dude, hey, Hor- hey, Horace, Horace got swallowed, didn't he? Hey, he, hey, he big. Man. He got big. Uh, he huge he in real life, man. man. Huge. He had to come in the night last night, though. <laughs> <laughs> that was the, that, that was the best comment, bro. For real. Oh man, he he sound like a kid in high school just got put in the trunk of a car. <laughs> but I'm not gonna say. What? Hey, well, you know, Jerry Cross said when 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 the sister GM uh, uh, Jimmy Stacks was a uh, 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 pitching ideal for for Robin. Jerry didn't want no parts of him. He said, "No way, absolutely not." But then. You know what I'm saying? Jerry, Jerry uh, 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 I'm sorry, uh, Jimmy was like, you know what? Would, you know, he can, would you, would a coach like Phil and get Mike and Scotty and stuff? And then they asked Mike and stuff, hey, this guy can make us win. He, he, he can help the team win. And he brought on, like uh, Echo off Novak said, they, they realized, hey, they, we can be a professional. We can all play stuff. The whole, whole idea, the, the goal is to win the um, championship. And Dennis mm-hmm. is that, that key that they can bring in the wit to do it. Uh, that, that's that's a good point, Jules. And and the thing too, uh, I think Jordan and Scotty, I think like you said, they they wanted to win. They put their pride to the side, and they knew that uh, Dennis could help them, right? So the big thing too, when you're looking at that, is Jordan called uh, actually called Dennis the, the smartest guy he played with. And I but thought that was, that was really huge. That was huge, but that wasn't hard. That wasn't a hard comment to make. You know, Scotty Scotty had all that athletic ability, but he said it best. You know. Scott, he had to actually teach Scotty how to win. Dennis didn't have to do that. Dennis is pretty, was pretty smart. He knew the ins and outs of how to make things happen. Oh man, that cat just that cat did nothing but uh watch t- watch tape. All he did was watch tape and just study study his uh, his uh adversaries and stuff like that. Study his uh, uh opponents and stuff. You know, when they talking about he he spend time after games and stuff and practices, people just shooting, he just practicing grabbing boards. Studying on how magic shoot, the 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 roll, the, the the spin on the balls and stuff by each uh, player, uh, how they shooting, where the ball is going to end up, dude. That's who who even who, say who even thinks that that way, you know? Well, that's a lot of West Side and the South Side. I mean, in Chicago, you know, you do a lot of shooting drills. You know, you fight a lot to get rebounds and stuff like that. And some people get really good at the trajectory where the ball is about to go. And Dennis pretty much figured that out, you know, he's in Detroit and he brought that down in Chicago. I mean, the man led the league in rebounds for seven straight years. He, yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Last, the last yeah. time he led uh, the league in rebound, he was 36 years old. The, a 36-year-old today, you know, pretty much, you know, almost LeBron in that situation, you know, there's no, they don't make him like that anymore. I mean, LeBron's holding on, but Dennis is probably in better shape than LeBron at, at the same age, the same age in his career. And that's well, the scary you- thing. You remember, you remember what Ben Wallace looked like when he played for the Bulls, and he was nowhere near thirty-six. Mm, no. Nowhere near it. He moved like he was thirty-nine, but you know, it's like, <laughs> I mean, he had nothing left in the tank. No way, no way at all. So, Jules, when when that Dennis Rodman trade uh, happened, uh, you know, back in you know back in that in the, before that dynasty era, uh, era kicked off, how did you feel about that personally? Thinking back to the rivalry that we had with them, and then all the stuff that Robin did uh, to the Bulls, you know, in that course of those guys winning back-to-back titles. Truthfully, I forgot uh, when he when he pushed that when he pushed Scotty. That was that was the one thing I I, I was like, 
like, oh man, you know, dude coming over here used to be a part of the bad boys. But I know this cat can help us win. So it's almost like, okay, okay, we get, we, we, we get, you know, Mike came back. He's going to be 100% from, you know, because he played baseball or tried to. Then you got, uh, you know, say Scotty and stuff. So I was like, okay, Dennis. Oh, yeah, we, this might work now. Uh, so I was, I was a little bit on the bubble, but, but I would say 60% of me was like, oh, yeah, man, we, yeah, we're going all the way. I was happy. What about you, Novak? I mean, uh, you know, I was I was never really on the bubble with Dennis and the Pistons because the weird thing about it, you know, when the Bulls were, you know, the Bulls were eliminated from the playoffs, deep down inside, I, I kind of like the Pistons. I like, you know, I like the attitude because, you know, the relationship with Isaiah, you know, from being a small kid on the west side to going to the same grammar school and stuff like that, you know, we looked up to Zeke, you know, before there was Mike in that situation. So Zeke always had a, spe- had a special spot, you know, in how I looked at basketball because that's what made us want the ball. We want to be better, you know, the Mark Aguirre's on the west side. You know, you want to be better than Zeke. You want to be better than uh, Ron Anderson, you know, Hershey Hawkins. I mean, these were beasts. So when you think in terms of um, things, you know, those are people we looked up to on the west side. I mean, they were the original killers, and all those guys had – had tempers, you know what I mean? They all had nasty in them. So, <laughs> so I mean, you know, I mean, I remember being a kid and watching Isaiah come back to the gym and just, man, just dribble, you know, just, just put, you know, just put, you know, just teach, you know, pretty much break people down. I mean, he didn't care. The guy breaking down a pair of ASIC gels, you know, that's before people were in Jordans and Nikes. This guy was wearing ASIC gels out there balling, basically track shoes. So, <laughs> You know, nothing but love Isaiah in that situation. You know, like, I don't, I don't like what he did during the Bulls era, but it is what it is. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. And it, it's crazy. We're going to touch on this a little bit later in the pod, but there's definitely such a love-hate relationship with Isaiah in, in, this, in this city, you know. And he went on, uh, I think, first take uh, this morning and kind of added some fuel to the fire. But, yeah, we'll definitely touch on that a little bit later on. I think my uh, opinion about the, the Rodman trade is I was definitely on the fence like both of you guys were. Um, mm. I, man, I sometimes with me, man, I, I, I take some of this stuff personally. And I just remember as a kid, I just didn't like the way that Rodman pumped Scotty. Man, I thought that, like, uh, Rodman had real estate all in Scotty's head, like, for, for <laughs> multiple seasons, right? <laughs> and so, for me, I, that just – I didn't like that. And I just wondered how those two would be able to play uh, with each other uh, on the same team together. But then also, too, I just kind of looked at it like, I don't want to have this guy be responsible for our success. So, it was a tough sell for me. And then I remember the first game that I saw Dennis play, and the way that that guy hustled and he dove into the stands and he just basically sacrificed his body, I was like, okay, I- I'm sold. I-, I was all in at that point. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah, so definitely, I mean, so Robin, I think he he honestly, he it was almost like he was always a part of the, of the team because the, when he came in that first season, we immediately all, I think, all this like fell in love with him right away. It was really interesting to see that dynamic happen. Oh yeah, Scotty said he came in fit right in like a, like a glove. He said he fit right in. So even for 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 Scotty to say that, that's big. Especially because they had history, you know. Right. Yeah, they had, they had history, but you also got to look at it from the perspective of um, 
even with Scotty, you know, even with Rodman did to Scotty in that situation, I think that, you know, from a you know, from a from a professional athlete perspective, I guess between the two of them, they saw something much bigger than what we saw from the fan level. I mean, a lot of times, you know, these guys might try to kill each other out there, but I'm quite sure when they see each other in the offseason, you know, it's a conversation and they keep it moving. I think that stuff got squashed years after the Pistons got eliminated. I think they kind of forgave them a little bit, but they still they still don't forget. Right, right. Well, man, I mean, we'll, we'll we'll probably touch on this a little bit later on, but there was some scenes in that in that in that uh, fourth episode where I'm not sure if that might be the case, especially where MJ is concerned. But we'll definitely uh, hit on that in, in a little bit. Um, Novak, I'm gonna ask you real quick. What what was your uh, the best scene for you from from these episodes? I think I, I think just man when the Prince song came on when Michael was working out again. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, the best scene the best scenes is probably the soundtrack. You know when Prince you know when I heard that Prince in the background that Party Man in the background I was just like yeah. I was like wow mm-hmm. you know yep. he, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just crazy. The, you know, before that, it was the you know, it was the, I'm bad. You know, he, what he did to the Celtics. So every episode when Mike is featured and you know, basically turning out another team, you just waiting to hear what the song is this time. You know, I'm just waiting to hear. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't hear Danny Boy slip and slide next episode or something. <laughs> 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 you know. Oh man. Yeah. You know, or or, or Dia must be the money or something like that. I'm just waiting to hear something like that blast while he out there signing autographs and something like that, pulling off in his Ferrari. I mean, I think it's the way they show you Mike. You know, it's probably the best scenes. You know, when Mike is when Mike is doing work, or when Mike hit those Mike hit the big shot in Cleveland. You know, it was just nuts. That's probably that's probably the best scene for me. The shot in Cleveland, which is awesome, because that just shows you who he was. Yeah, I like the uh, man. I like how uh, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got piggyback off you, man. When they played Party Man, I said, "Oh yeah," <laughs> big Prince fan, big Prince fan, big Bulls fan. I was like, "Oh man, this is what's up here." Then they hit you with the uh, Kumo D. How you like me now? I was like, "Man, they playing some tracks on here." <laughs> so, uh, man, the best. Oh man, they gotta be the. I'm like, man, man, no back. Got to be the shot. I'm like, you, man, got to be the shot. That's, you know, we talk about how, uh, talk about how a uh, 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 Harper, Harper talking about, yeah, I got Mike. <laughs> and then their coach said, no, nah, we're going to put Elo on him. He, he was like, man. <laughs> you, did you see, Harper's, yeah, you see Harper's face too? He's like, man, yeah. forget this. <laughs> <laughs> There was no stutter when he said that. You know, he stuttered oh, every other time. No, he said, no, fuck that bullshit. <laughs> We heard him loud and clear. Mm-hmm. The killing part about it is Harper. Harper is pretty pretty good defensive player now. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was the best defensive player on that team. Right, right. And for him to put when they put Elo on him, Mike said, "Oh yeah, I got him. I got him." He came up there, man. Did that shot. Oh man, that was it, man. That was it, man. I, man, I love. Him. We never saw Elo again after that. We, I just remember him crumbling to no. the floor and falling out of bounds. <laughs> You know, I think he got divorced that year. Yeah, right. <laughs> Wife hey, left him that year. Hey, Elo, Elo, if you if you listening, man, tune in, man, and let us know what's going on with you, man. We'd like to hear from you. Let us know you're alive. <laughs> I'm telling you, after Mike hit that shot on him, man, his credit score dropped probably 300 points after that shit. <laughs> Whole family left, man. They packed their bags up after that. When Mike got done with you a lot of times, I think the wife left, the dog left. Nobody respected you in the house. 
No, no way. This, this, so this is the thing, right? Everybody in that arena, including both sides of that team, everybody knew who was getting the ball. So that showed you Mike's killer instinct, right? Because he got the ball, rose up, drained the shot in dude's face. I mean, that was the sickest thing ever, man. I mean, that shot right there, that put the Bulls over the hump, at least in my opinion, you know? Uh, because you saw uh, one of the clips that they showed in that episode where all of the sportscasters from Chicago, they all picked Cleveland to win that series. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. That was messed up. And Mike took that – Uh, he took it personally. He was like, yeah, I'm uh, yeah, what I'm going to do, I'm, I'm going to finish it off. I'm going to finish it off. We got you. We got you. Yeah, we're going to prove you prove you wrong and stuff. And that's what he did. And, and that just, that just I mean, shows that that – Okay, I'm sorry. No, I'm just saying. Sometimes, man, you know, sometimes you need you need you need somebody to put a foot in your foot in your behind or a lot of fire in your ass and stuff like that to get you kind of get you going. You know, you know, you have a Bulls team here, up and coming, man. They playing good and stuff. But that Cleveland team, you remember that Cleveland team? They had some studs on that team. So yeah, they did to, rip, to write them off to write the Bulls off from just you know what? Oh no, it's in the bag. Cleveland got it. You know what I'm saying? You, hey, people read that. You know, players read it. And they're like, all right, man, we're going to show them, man. We, you know, which is good. So Mike Mike read it, saw it, and he, and he approached them on those sports writers and told them, all right, yeah, I'm going to take care of all you guys. <laughs> he did say that one by one, didn't he? <laughs> mm-hmm. well, he took care of them. <laughs> you know, what was funny to me, too, is that Mike even acknowledged uh, in the doc that uh, Harper was the better cover. Because he even acknowledged that Harper had had success against him defensively, you know. So he, when he saw Elo cover him, he was like, "Oh man, this is barbecue chicken right here. This is this a wrap." Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Nice little snack. So one of the things too, like when I think about that episode, is that that relationship between Doug Collins and and, and Mike, right? So. Obviously, Doug Collins, he scripted a lot of the office and plays, and he, he basically revolved everything about, around Mike. What was, like, the big thing that you guys saw with that relationship that stuck out to you? Oh, man. Uh, pretty much when Doug Collins came in, Mike said he, he, he liked Doug. He said he loved Doug coming in because he loved his energy. He came in, he's a young coach, a lot of energetic. Mike loved Doug Collins. Because Doug Collins told the Bulls, get a ball to Mike and everybody look out. Yeah. That's why Mike loved Doug Collins. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> he said, just get Collins know he got a he got a workhorse. You know what I'm saying? Mike, he, he can score at will. He said, just get a ball to Mike and everybody look out. So that's why that's why I think that's why Mike loved Doug. So uh, yeah. No back. I agree with you on that. I mean, Doug. Doug pretty much gave Mike the green light he never had in life. You know, like, you know, no other coach gave him a green light like that. You know, um, you know Kevin, you know, you know, Kevin, when he was a coach, when he first got there, he ended up becoming the coach of the Miami Heat. They gave him a green light like that. You know, Dean Smith kind of kept him in the team, like, atmosphere. That's the first time in his life the other coach basically said, you're the best player on this team and go for it. So I think that's the reason why he loved him. You know, even though he was slowly but surely burning Michael out, because if Mike would have kept scoring at that pace – I don't think he played. I don't think he plays in the late '90s at that point because the NBA was too physical back then to recover. 
So I think Michael learning to play team ball at like 30 was good for his career and his longevity at this point. And plus he, plus he won championships. He would never win a championship with Doug Collins. No way in, no way in hell, no way, no way possible at this mm-hmm. point. I, I think you're absolutely right about that too because when you think about that offense the way it was, it was too reliant on Mike. And you could tell Mike was – he was drained, you know, by the way all that offense was burdened on him. And it also didn't allow any of the other guys to to step up, right? So – and we'll definitely touch on that a little bit later as we get into the pot. But the one thing that I liked about that relationship with those two was how Mike gave uh, Doug the cup of water and said, hey, man, don't worry about it. We're going to get this first win for you. And he went out to score 50 against the Knicks at Madison Square Garden. That was dope to me. Yeah, all right. Yeah. He said he chewed the gum so much, there's just some powder around his <laughs> <laughs> You sure you sure that was gum duck? <laughs> yeah. Back then it might have been might then it might have been something real. <laughs> I mean it was the eighties. Mm. <laughs> Man, that perm that Doug had was sweated out, his perm was like just shiny, his his shirt was drenched. I mean, that was crazy to see Doug like he had just hooped. Man, Doug looked like he was at the club, man. Like, that dude, man, you talk about energy. Man, that dude, he coached like he was out there on the court. That's, that was crazy. Right. Like, you would look at Doug after the game, you're like, damn, Doug. <laughs> right. You got to throw that suit away. <laughs> right. <laughs> that was crazy. Uh, so one of the things, too, uh, when, you know, when you look at these at these episodes, and there's so many, like, classic moments that we could probably touch on so many different ones, but what what was some of the more savage moments that you guys came across from either of these episodes? I got to say, I, I got to say, Isaiah Tubb is pretty much describing that moment he walked off the court was pretty savage. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I thought so, too. And when they played, when they played it back to them, they played, and they played it back on the iPad. What he said and the look on Michael's face, oh my God, that was something to see. You could feel the hate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was. You know what? Yeah, that was there, there was. There's definitely no love lost between those two, right? Mm-hmm. No, nah, especially when uh, Mike showed and, uh, and the Bulls uh, team showed great uh, sportsman sportsmanship when they when they lost when they got eliminated. You know, they was congratulating Detroit for going on, for winning, going on to the next round. You know, it's, I mean, it's water on the bridge now, but you look at it and you're like, yeah, they could have shook their hands, man. But you know what? They was the bad boys and they did what, the, you know, they did what bad boys do. And that's just, hey, they were sore losers, so they just walked off the court. You know what was kind of interesting, too, uh, so Isaiah did make a good point. I'm not gonna ride for Isaiah too much, but what I will say is he was fair when uh, the when the Pistons beat the Celtics. Bird, DJ, those guys were already damn near walking through the tunnel in their locker room. The game was still going on. I think Isaiah had to grab Mikhail to get Mikhail to give him right. some some love. So mm-hmm. I guess I could kind of see where he was coming from a little bit, but Mike definitely wasn't buying it. Well, I mean, the Celtics, you got to understand, that was the 80s. So the Celtics and the Pistons didn't like each other. There was just natural hate. They walked off. Kevin McHale and John Sally pretty much swapped roles, you know, year, you know like five years, six years later, you know, in that situation. So I think that, uh, you know, there's a lot of symbolism that went on there. You know, like John Sally was looking at the future. I might play with these guys. I think that's what he's thinking the whole entire time. 
when you know when everybody was walked off the court, he was thinking about it's over. You know, my dynasty is over. I need a new team, so I'm not going out like that. Isaiah was just about done with the NBA at that point. He pulled his Achilles like a year later, so I mean, he went out, you know, injury, went out with injuries and stuff like that. So I think that they didn't like each other. You know, that's just the way it played out. I mean, it's just like playing on the west side or south side of Chicago and playing in a, a heated environment. People didn't shake hands. They looked at each other and walked out, or somebody took a gang sign. That's what it was about. I mean, that's pretty much what the yeah. NBA would be like. I yeah. mean, I remember places not shaking hands with people. I know it's bad to say that, but sportsmanship, you know, was not a strong thing back in the 80s or 90s. Right, yeah. It was. It's not like now everybody's swapping um, jerseys and kissing each other and stuff like that. It's it was definitely, definitely uh, 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 ruthless and, and, and cutthroat back then. I mean, you got to look at it, man. The Detroit Pistons was beating the, beating the Bulls. What, what was it? Two, three years in a, three years in a row, eliminating. Mm-hmm. Them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not only eliminating them, beating their asses. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> it's not like it's not like it's not like the roles will switch. Normally, when you lose, you start throwing some shots. These guys was winning and throwing shots. Mm-hmm. So you're like, man. And then Mike said, you know, uh, BJ and the rest of them, that, that last year, that, that third year, they got eliminated and stuff like that. They said, man, we got to get our weight up. I think that was the term getting your weight up come from, from the Bulls getting the ass with all their times against Detroit. And they got that, when they got that weight up, put that muscle and not let uh, – not let uh, Detroit get in their, in their mind mentally, get out of mentally. Oh man, that's that was a championship team. That was a championship team. So, so with the with the question that there was a hand talking about the shaking hands and stuff like that. Hey, with no back press, yeah, yeah, definitely. Hey, you know what? You win. Hey, I, hey, I won. Get off the court. So. It reminded me so much a white man can't jump. You know, you remember the scene where the brothers got mad when they got the guns in the car and came back on the yeah. court? That's what it reminded me. I was just yeah. waiting for somebody to run back on the court. I mean, what did he, what, what he tell him? He said, I'm about to go to my car. I'm about to shoot all you. <laughs> <laughs> and, I've, and I've experienced that before. You'd be like, I think he went to the car. I'm about to go on the other side of the park right now. This is crazy, you know. It happens, you know. People don't like to lose. I mean, I've seen places where people people win a game. I, the best one I heard one time in high school was y'all won the game, but y'all getting your ass beat. I'm like, what? <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah. how does that work? You know, you be like, yeah. all right, <laughs> that's some shit. Hey, but that's some Chicago shit, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You winning? If you win, oh yeah, you you come in the hole. You might get a bridge now. Or you know, what I'm saying, <laughs> hey, it's. Hey, it's rough out here, but that's that. That's that stuff right there. Teach you, teach you, uh, uh, teach you how to be strong. Mm-hmm. You going up in there? Yeah, you are gonna take a charge. You are gonna get a hit, but man, you going up? You ain't gonna be scared to go in that hole, or no. you know, see, you drive past somebody and stuff like that, and somebody try to trip you. You are gonna move your feet out the way. You are gonna pick your feet up. Yep. So those are little things, that little trick stuff. That, you know, you, that that play was it? What, what's it called? That that that, that play gun ball. Yep. Ball. Yep. Mm-hmm. That penal, the penal basketball system we call it. You know, you feel like you're out there playing with guys that got straight out of jail. I mean, it, everybody did it before. Everybody played against that one guy. He got one job. All he's doing is throwing elbows and kicking people. Yeah. <laughs> rebound Prison with his feet. Room, man. <laughs> you're like, how do you rebound with your feet? <laughs> <laughs> 
That's funny, man. I so when I look at uh, I guess those episodes uh, to piggyback off of what you said, uh, Jules, the, uh, when the Bulls went through all the Jordan rules and the physicality from the, uh, the Pistons, that the the moment this that kind of stood out to me was when Mike worked with Tim Grover and he started putting on that muscle. So mm-hmm. Tim Grover took Mike from like that slender guy to a muscular like guy that was ready to like deliver punishment, right? So I think he put on. Yeah. But like fifteen pounds of muscle, right? Mm-hmm. And the thing to a two fifteen. Yeah, and the thing that stood out mm-hmm. to me about that was his teammates followed his lead, right? So even B.J. Armstrong mm-hmm. was in there getting swole, you know. So that that was the thing right there. I think at that moment in '89, I think that team realized, hey, we're close. You know, mm-hmm. we we can take these guys. We just need to to answer that challenge of being physical, right? And so. That was the thing for me when I saw that. I said, hey, Mike is leading by example with these guys, and they're following his lead. And that's the sign of a true leader, right? You know, so basically they saw that Mike was hurt and that Mike wanted it, right? right. Scotty followed his lead. Then what did he say? Horace followed. And then the rest was history, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yes, it, sir. Make, it makes me wonder, like, what would have happened if, you know, the, the Bulls team, the Derrick Rose era, if they had just stayed together like another year? or two in that situation, because you think about it, I mean, even with Derek's injuries at that point, you know, you're right. If you get in the weight room, if you, you know, you hit the weights and everything like that, I think that Mike's personality is very similar to Derek's personality. They weren't looking for help, you know, in that situation, you know, you know, and the thing about it is, you know, in this banana boat NBA that he played in, you know, a player like a Derek or a player like a Joe King would fit right in during the eighties, nineties, because they were, you know, they were, they, they came a little bit too late. In that situation, they came there where people have to have sleepovers and they paint their toenails. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was just a different NBA. I mean, that's that was that's like my biggest issue with current, you no, know, almost well, almost current Bulls basketball is that what you when you watch these, you watch the last dance, you see that they broke up some of these teams too quick. You know, in that situation, it happened. The history repeated itself with you know with Derek's era. They did it quicker before they, we even got any rewards from that tree, if you know what I mean. At that point, I think you would have got something out of even with a torn ACL. I think you would have got it, you would have got to the um, at least the finals one time with them, which have been really nice. And I think at that point, Andrea not it elevated you. Mike Mike broke his foot, and he came back. You know, in that situation, he had a, a break that doesn't normally heal in six months. And it could have got worse. It could have ended his career. So I think a lot of you know, a lot of it is these general managers. If you listen out there. Got to believe in the product. I mean, if, if Mike can do it and Scotty got their life together, I think any team maybe can do it. It's just getting tougher, lifting weights, and finding a way to bond as a team. Mm-hmm. No, you're right, man. You, you, no, but yeah, you're right on that one. Uh, it's all about who wants it more. That's all. It's all about who wants it more and what you got to do to what you got to do to get it. Now they know. For three 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 seasons in a row, they was getting they was getting beat. They was getting beat mentally, and they was getting beat physically. Mike got it with his trainer, got the weight up, got in the gym. Everybody followed. Uh, I believe it was uh, who was it? Was it Bill Cartwright or, or Horace Grant said they saw that and they was like, "Man, this man is working hard, and we gotta follow. We gotta follow him." And and that's and that's what they did, and they see. Not only they they brought, got the weight up, they was playing more as a team. You know, passing the ball and stuff. Michael wasn't the only scorer. You incorporated Scotty. You incorporated Horace, BJ. Uh, 
Paxson. So with that also, bring the weight up, incorporating other players. Now the toughest one of all is being strong mentally. And Mike was the strongest one in the team, and he didn't hold that to himself. He went when they was punking on. Um, I mean, I won't say should say punking when they was getting the horse. He would go to horse. Hey, toughen up, man. Don't let no. Don't lay down. Don't let them see you hurt. Hide that. You know what I'm saying? Because that right there, that's they smell blood. If you see that, if you see weakness, if anybody see weakness on you, I was like, oh yeah, we got you. So you got to put up that front, and they, and they did. They get they get strong mentally. They get strong physically. They was able to play as a team. Not one pet man was controlling the ball. They was playing as a unit. And they went in and they swept the, they swept the Pistons, didn't they? They sure did. They mm-hmm. swept them. And then the Pistons walked off on them like some marks. <laughs> <laughs> your, your, boy, your boy Isaiah, well, he even had to duck around somebody to get up out of there. <laughs> yeah. It was West Side, man. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> You know, like, like you say, is that is that is that the Chicago in them? Chicago West Side in them? It is. I mean, you gotta understand. I mean, that man's probably walked out of Columbus Park like that, Lafayette Park. He's probably done that at St. Joe's a few times. That's just who he is. You know that situation. I mean, I've never, I've never seen him lose. So the thing about it is, you know, I grew up like that a little bit. You know, what happens is when you not used to losing, and you you discover what a loss feels like. I was very upset. Because I had never, I had never, you know, I was always used. I didn't believe in participation trophy. Second place, we had in the parking lot. We were kicking people's ass, so it's like it's hard to <laughs> it's hard to accept, you know, losing when you when you ain't used to it. And I think that's part of the issue with Isaiah. Isaiah, you know, the Celtics taught him what it was like to lose. He won in Indiana, you know, he won everywhere else. He got to the NBA and discovered that there's other grown men out here, and he didn't know what to do. So when he got on top mm. of the universe, he didn't want to come down. I think you bring up a good point, too, because you think about that. He won at St. Joe's. He won at Indiana, right? So at every mm-hmm. level, he won, right? So I, I, I guess I can I – can, I can, I'm, you know, you're slowly getting me to, to get there, man. I'm, I'm, I think by, maybe by the end of this episode, maybe I'll be a bit little more lukewarm towards Zeke. But right now, I'm still – I'm kind of looking at him like Mike was looking at that tablet. <laughs> Mike, and Mike was like, he was shaking his head like, man, what is this? <laughs> he looked at it like he saw some bad porn. He looked at it like, who's this chick? <laughs> what is she doing? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> <laughs> you you know another moment where Mike was kind of looking at somebody side eyed was uh, when Dennis wanted to go on vacation. What what oh, you yeah. guys think about that? It is. It was different and interesting. I, <laughs> Like uh, you're in the middle of the season and you're trying to battle for first place and home court advantage, and and uh, one of your one of your best uh players is like, yeah, I need a vacation, and 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 and, and so I'm like, what do you do? But feels <laughs> feels like bring Mike in, and Dennis have something to ask Mike, and and he asked Mike, he need to go, he need to go to Vegas and stuff. <laughs> And they and they knew they knew it, you know. They was gonna let him go and stuff like that. Uh, hey, you know what? How I feel about it. He was he was struggling. At that time, he was struggling. Scotty came back. Uh, so the roles kind of re- reversed because we uh, Mike needed Dennis to help out a little more to step up, and Dennis was he stepped up and 
helped out. Now Scotty's back, so he kind of took a back seat, and and it bothered him. It bothered him. He can, you know, and he kind of in his in his performance was showing that. So he's he even said he just needs to blow some steam. You know what? Whatever you need to do, well, almost whatever you need to do to kind of get yourself back on track, hey, I'm for it. If, you know, we can compromise. And Phil did. He said, hey, instead of a week or something, how about a couple of days? Now, 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 Dennis kind of, you know, he misused it, but I, I, would, I would let him go. I would let him uh, go and kind of blow some steam. I think it was good to let him go. I mean, that situation, because that was just Phil understanding Dennis, you know, like the, the connection to the Indian, uh, Native American culture in that situation. They both had some things they liked about you know, Native American culture, so they were able to bond at that point. And he, you know, it's like knowing your personnel, he knew that that dude needed some time away. So he let him go. I would let him went too. You know, even though Dennis, you know, Mike was right. You know, it was a funny thing. Mike said, it's going to be longer than 48 hours. And Mike knew yeah. it. And everybody <laughs> knew it. You know, he got out there and they, you know, it was amazing that they had to send a camera crew with him to catch him, you know, taking the shots. You know, touching Carmen Electra, and you know, in you know, in the, all the casinos, just being Dennis in that situation. I mean, but the thing about it is, he's one of those type of players that that mentally recharged him. That's the reason why they won a championship. You know, he needed to get a mental recharge. He needed a, he needed a mental he needed a mental health day. They call it work, where he took a he took a moment to figure out what was wrong. He went out there, you know, did what did, did what Dennis does, and he came back re-energized. No, I definitely agree with that. And I, and I, man, you guys both, man, you guys both knocked it out of the park because I think Phil, he definitely knew his players, right? And he knew, hey, in order for us to get the best out of Dennis, we need to give him a little time away, right? So Dennis was in his feelings a little bit when Scotty came back. I think he got used to being Mike's uh, road dog there for a little bit. So I think Dennis needed to go somewhere and kind of get his mind back right again. I think the thing that I was really uh, laughing about with that episode was the fact that, of course, you knew if you're going to tell Dennis to stay only for 48 hours, that he was not going to only do 48 hours. So he obviously stayed a little bit longer than what he was supposed to do with Mike and Scotty or whoever had to go get Dennis out of Vegas to get him back to practice. And the funniest right. part about that was the story that, that Mike told about that Indian drill. So what did you guys think about that? I hate that. I hate that you know the Indian you know the Indian run is brutal in that situation. I mean I've done it you know people running full sprint just you know don't want you to get in front of them. The fact that they slowed down and let him get in front and then he took off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean that that'd be hilarious. I could I could just imagine Mike cussing out Dennis and chasing him and, and Scotty back there you know basically laughing about it. I mean they had to be laughing the whole time. Phil's probably just sitting there you know sitting there doing yoga laughing at him at that point. Man, the condition on, on, on Dennis is incredible. For him to party like that and then come to – well, have somebody – have Mike and Scotty come drag him out of bed and him come to practice in his flip-flops to do to do an Indian run and he doesn't – doesn't everybody else, that's that's incredible. This man with condition was, was off the chain. Kamikaze. Well, kamikaze. You know, well, it's more than kamikaze. You know what that is. I mean, when, you know, you know, not to give too many secrets out in the universe, but, you know, when Dennis doing the things he's doing, the got all them chicks and stuff around him, I mean, Dennis was a machine at that point. I mean, he probably was just, you know, probably, you know, knocking Carmen down, knocking down Tony Braxton, whoever else out there. And then he go home for five, six hours. 
So the thing about it, his legs are long at that point. I mean, you know, you got that endurance. He probably hit that gear that, you know, very few people in life hit because he, you know, he, his conditioning, you know, you're talking sexual conditioning, you're talking athletic conditioning, and then you're talking a little bit of crazy. And you put that together, that's a, that's a super athlete at that point. I mean, I've seen people, I'm not snitching on people, I've seen people do two or three things in one day, go drink, whatever, go lift weights and go hoop and still get you 20. <laughs> that's, wow. that, that, that's that basketball life, you know, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, you know you are out there. I ain't going to say who you is, but <laughs> but I know people like that. I mean, you know, Dennis just showed you anything's possible. Everybody lived in the dorm once upon a time, and I've seen them animals. You know, <laughs> it is what it is. No, that's definitely that's – that's a really good point. Actually, you're totally right about that, man, because you look at that lifestyle – <laughs> that lifestyle is different, right? So, I mean, this guy, he was out there in Vegas three, four nights, however long it was, drinking, doing whatever else, right? Up all mm-hmm. night, not sleeping. And he goes in that practice and feels worried about getting him back in shape. And Dennis was fine. I think that was his way of letting those guys know he was ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was like, yeah. you don't have to worry about me. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I concur. Yeah, he, he, when he went in there and blew everybody out, out of water and stuff like that, and it's like, you know what? We ain't got to worry about Dennis. We ain't got, but that's that. You know, yeah, I can't even explain it. I, I got nothing else. That that dude was just physically, he, man, physically, mentally, this dude, he he was on point. Like 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 uh, Novak said, he's just that, just a little bit of crazy, and just, and just a machine. You probably fucked his way back in the shape, to be honest with you. I mean, that's, that's, that's what I'm trying to hit. That's what I'm trying to say. He probably did, to be honest with you. I mean, it's very possible, you know, that situation. You got to think about, you know. It's before, it's before that blue pill, too. Oh, you need no blue pill, man. That's just that's just pure crazy, you know. And just on, <laughs> you know, on that, you know, that, you know, he went Super Saiyan out there, probably. He's just oh, hair man, turned colors. Super Saiyan. He reached another level. <laughs> blue Saiyan. <laughs> The uh the other uh the other scene that I thought was pretty cool was from episode four, um when Phil gets recruited by Jerry, brings him over from uh, I think it was Puerto Rico, right? When mm-hmm. Phil was up there coaching that, that that country, and that was pretty crazy. Um, but then also, uh, seeing how Jerry manipulated that situation, right? He kind of coached Phil up on how to dress, how to present himself, and then also too, um, convinced uh Doug Collins to to basically hire Phil. And at all the same time, Tex Winter and Phil were working together on basically incorporating this triangle offense into the Bulls. Jerry Krause wanted this offense to be more open. He wanted to be more inclusive. So what did you guys think about that whole dynamic of how Jerry went to get Phil and how he kind of undermined Doug Collins at the same time? The writing was on the wall in that situation. I think that Krause played the situation perfectly. You know, he – he befriended Doug. He went to Puerto Rico, went on a secret mission to get, you know, to, to get uh, Phil Jackson. He watched Phil win at other levels, win at the CBA level and everything. He just sucked the man pretty much. And, uh, you know, it was perfect timing. And then he did the same thing to Phil years later with Tim Floyd. I mean, it probably would have worked out if the, if the best player, the greatest player of all time would have went along with it. It would have worked out perfectly in that situation. But Mike was, Mike was older and set in his ways at that point. And Mike and, and Cross had a really, really bad history. So I think it worked twice. You know, be asked, what, you, what, what, what makes you think it didn't work the third time? I mean, we already got another coach. I mean, I think he was uh, 
I, I think I think that Cross is very, very smart. And the, and the problem is he outsmarted himself at the end. I mean, he did, you know, he did something he couldn't put back together finally. He finally built a he finally built a puzzle he couldn't put together. You know, um it was it was uh it was chess and not checkers. Mm-hmm. It was chess and not checkers. Cross was playing chess and 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 Doug Clowns did not had a did not have a clue. Uh when Phil and when Phil and Winters got together, he was explaining he was teaching Phil and Phil vice versa, showing you know, showing them what he knows and stuff like that. They built this bond that was like, oh man, this is this is gold here. We got something. So what that means, that means Doug Collins got to go. And but I mean, unfortunately, I mean what Mike said that you know, if you're going to do that after coming from a, uh, from a playoff, you know, that's going to be kind of ballsy. But, you know, hey, this is business. And to get to the next level, which they did, they're going to need a coach that can get – that can reach the different uh, characteristics of their other players, getting different plays and stuff like that to get that team to the next level, which they did. Because what, what, what they did, they took, they took the ball out of Mike's hands, but, you know, for the most part, you know, and develop other players as role players and getting them into making them better to be a stronger team. So, no, you, you're definitely right about that. And, and it's kind of interesting, too, where Mike obviously he wasn't really a fan of Phil initially because right. Mike had the whole offense catered to him, right? Right. He was like, he was loving Doug because, like I said, Doug said, give him the ball and look out. So, Mike, like, <laughs> cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it showed you what type of leader Mike is, too. Because when Phil implicated this uh this new offense, you know what I'm saying, Mike was on board where he had to be. But when he saw it and ran it and stuff like that, he learned in the study and, and developed Pippen and developed Horace and stuff like that, get Paxson in there. So overall, it, it made him so much better because of Phil, because of this new offense, because of him sharing the ball and develop other players. He said, why, you know what I'm saying, why it had to be one player that's 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 great? Make all the players around you great. So that was that was that was what's up, and that and that's what a leader do. That's what a coach does. I, I mentioned on the first, uh, I guess, first episode. That's what that's what Muhammad Ali would uh, would needed. Muhammad Ali needed with Dundee. That's what Mike needed with Customer. You need somebody like that to make you that much to elevate your game to a whole new level. No, I totally agree. I mean, you know, it's like. You know, I you know I do I do think that you know what Phil did for Mike and what Phil did for Rodman and for Pippen is he he grounded them. He um he taught he taught guys you already know how to win how to win the big game in that mm-hmm. situation. I mean you know basketball is such a strategic game in that situation. It's a it's a make it or break your league. You know one shot here, one defensive stop there, and you win it all. And those big moments are where a lot of the the great players choke up sometimes. In that situation, I mean, we've seen LeBron go three for six in the finals. We've seen Mike go six and up. We've seen Phil Jackson win eleven championships. And you think about that, you know, it's that it's that extra gear or that or that basketball IQ that you can't teach sometimes. Yeah, you know, Mike was Mike and Scotty were very smart. Dennis was very smart as well. You know, you see some of that in some of the today's players. You saw it in you saw it in Tim Duncan. You see it in Kawhi Leonard. You know, LeBron has it, you know, eh, 30% of the time he has it. You know, we've seen the finals record. It is what it is. 
in that situation. I mean, it is you know, what it is. Yep. It is what it is. I mean, he knows how to win a big. He knows how to win a big game. But the question is, sometimes how lucky is he? You know, sometimes it's element of luck. You know, you could easily be sick. You could easily have been uh, eight and one, but you know, you know, talent wins games, and so does dedication. At that point, I mean, and if your team sucks. <laughs> in that point, you're probably going to come up short that year. But I think the Bulls just had the perfect combination. They could have won the next year if they had kept everything intact. And Phil stayed alone. They could have got four. But that would have been it, I think, at that point. I think they were they were starting to max out, you know, their capabilities at that point, and the league was getting younger. You know, that's, that's a good point, Novak. And it's funny. So when we did our uh, first uh, recap, I had a couple people that listened to that episode reach out to me. Uh, they know who they are, and they were basically pushing back on us. And they were like, look, they were like, that team was exhausted at, at 98. They, they were on their last legs, and they actually were like, look, I think in 99, even if it was a strike short in the season, that team wasn't winning anything. And, I, you know, that that to me makes me wonder, because like, you think about it, Scotty was – he was hurt, right, and limping mm-hmm. to the finish line, and Dennis was Dennis, right? So it's just like you, you don't really know, like, if the Bulls would have been able to to withstand uh, a team, you know, the next year, I think it would, I think they could have did it. I mean, you know, if you think about it, Tony Kukos would have to take on, you know, Phil would have to bring Tony up more into the offense at that point in order to take some pressure off Mike and Scotty. I think Tony had all the tools in order to basically, you know, make it look easy out there. If you know what I mean? You got a six for eleven point guard out there. They would have just ran the offense through Tony at that point. Because if you think about it, um, Tony had all Tony had all the ability in the world. If he survived Mike and Scotty in practice every day, then he's a hell of a basketball player at that point. If you know what I mean, you just yeah. you just you just needed more time to see exactly how Phil was going to play the triangle. They ran the triangle, which means that players are kind of interchangeable at that point. You know, Mike was still going to get his thirty. Scotty would have got his twenty-two. Robin would have got his fifteen boards. And Tony Kukos would have probably probably just came to the front as a star at that point. And I think it I think it really hurt Tony from a career perspective to see where he what he might have been. He was good, but I think he would have been better if he had, he got a little bit more time with Mike and Scotty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, uh, Tony does some things to help out uh, the Bulls throughout the years and stuff like that. He would need to take on a bigger role, like you, as you said, uh, Novak, and. They will also will have to get, a, they will also have to get a, 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 some more pieces on that bench, some younger legs, some fresher legs on that bench, to kind of carry them through them seasons. Now, it won't be easy, because Indiana gave them a go that year, that ninety eight year. They went, they went seven games. So, uh, and then yep. they get, they, I think uh, in Utah they got them, they got them at what four, four what well, was four or two, I think the series was, wasn't it? Uh, six games, yep. yeah, six. yeah. Game six. Yep. So, so I would say it was it's possible, but like Novak, Prez, what you said, Tony had to step up. Uh, of course, you have Mike. We, we hopefully Scotty can can hang on with his injuries and stuff like that. He don't need to give you much, far as offense, but we definitely need that defense from him. And you get you some couple of key key pieces in that bench, some younger, fresher, faster legs to carry you through the season, through them eighty two games and stuff. I think they have a shot. Anyway, we got the greatest play play on earth. Hey, anything's possible, baby. Anything's possible. What anything's possible? What what scared me though with the Bulls during the dynasty years is that uh, the draft record was trash. You know they you know 
one thing about Jerry Cross is he was good at going out and getting free agents to a certain point, like the you know the Rodman's and stuff of the world, that you know the um, you know the Bison Dillies of the world and stuff like that, the John Sally. He was good with getting those supporting pieces, those championship pieces. But at the mm-hmm. same time, he sucked in terms of trying to get the future, you know, around those guys. I mean, if you look at Golden right. State, where they're where they're about to go, you know, you got Stephen Clay and Draymond, and you get the lottery pick. So you think about what happens, and they can go out there and get, and they can go out there and get another free agent. So you think about who that lottery pick possibly could be at this point. That's a that's a that's a starter in the league for the next five six years. The Bulls didn't it's def- draft. It's definitely going to be a top three pick. It's too. a top three pick. The Bulls weren't drafting like that. They were drafting late first round. They were getting uh, you know Corey Benjamin, you know, and all types of other you know trash. Oh, to be honest God. with you, trash. And, you know. <laughs> Or, you know, and it was really sad. I mean, and then, and then Cross tried to come back with the, you know, the Twin Towers. And um, the problem with that, the problem with Eddie and Tyson is that he drafted two players that pretty much played essentially the same position different ways. Mm-hmm. One guy was a shot blocker. The other guy was a low post back to the basket big man. And he didn't play no D. So you couldn't start them together. Because, and he was out of shape. And they was out of shape. Yeah, and then, you know, you had Jamal Crawford out there, who to me, who, who to me personally had the best game of any player he drafted. That was a great, that was a hell of a draft pick. It just, you know, Jamal just fell out of favor here because, you know, they didn't know what to do with him. I mean, Jamal Crawford was instant offense. And, you know, I remember watching that guy playing pickup games, seeing him up at the Army on the, on the north side. He was instant offense. He can score on anybody. Up. Did he score 50 his rookie year here? Uh-huh, in New York. Yeah. He got 50 Same. in the garden. So, I mean, he got a quick 50, you think about it. I mean, with the, you know, with the way the Bulls drafted and what, you know, what, you know, what, your, uh, what your friends and associates are saying about the Bulls and, you know, coming back to next year, some of that was true. But at the same time, you got Michael Jordan and you got, you know, and they're very creative in terms of winning games. And Phil mm-hmm. Jackson is very smart in the triangle. No one had figured out how to stop the triangle's options. There's five options in the triangle every play. You know, everybody out there is a, everybody out there is a potential threat in the triangle. It's hard to guard, especially when the NBA couldn't zone up back then. And, you know, mm-hmm. you couldn't play a zone back then, and you can hand check. So the NBA, was a, it, was, it, was, it was officiated totally different. And that's just where there weren't a lot of great shooters around like this era where everybody's a three-point shooter and big men are shooting jump shots. I mean, the triangle today would be more effective because every five to stretch five or stretch four. So you got guys that physically you know, pull up from three from anywhere. Like Dirk Nowitzki in the triangle would be awesome. You know, imagine Dirk swapping – imagine swapping out Bill Carter with Dirk Nowitzki. Or oh, somebody that, that, that. That, that, that's, that's filthy right there. Right. Two, you know, everybody can post out there. I think two of one of the episodes, did they say that the, the triangle offense had 33 different counters to it? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, I mean, once you hit that high post look, and whoever caught that the high post look down, you got a guy still you got a guy still in the post, you know, basically he was a pretty good, pretty, you know, pretty great post player with a fadeaway. Then you got the shooters sitting out there. If you collapse on Jordan in the post, he got he got reads. It's like playing football where he could read everybody he could read who's open instantly there's always somebody open because you know you got to guard the great players i mean imagine if lebron james played in the triangle and lebron james is a pretty damn good passer I, you know i don't normally throw that much praise at him but from the passing perspective him in the triangle would be nasty oh, i mean nasty. 
He could play the 40 in the triangle, 40, 45 in the triangle, because all he would do is pass. The athleticism would be gone, but he'd be, he'd be one of the best passers of all time. He'd be able to find people in angles. He's a little bit taller than Michael. He'll be able to see over the defense a little bit better. Well, that's a that's a good point, Novak, because uh, when you look at uh, Scotty and how he evolved in that offense, and he served as like that point forward, right? And Scotty was – he was an underrated passer as well. But I would say – as a result of Scotty basically being a part of that triangle offense, that's what really took his game to the next level and actually mm-hmm. made him into an all-star. So I can only imagine what a guy like LeBron's passing ability would have been able to do in that type of offense. Well, Scotty's DNA is in LeBron, if you think about it. If you look at how basketball evolution works, a lot of what, you know, when the last time you've seen a Ford grab a rebound and go coast to coast, that was Scotty Pippen. And you watch it, you know, Scotty would grab a board and go coast to coast and take off. LeBron does that now, but you're also talking about 40, 50-pound weight difference, and you're talking about a guy just as fast as Scotty, but he's heavier in that situation. I think Scotty was a much better defender, you know, but, you know, defense ain't that guy's specialty. Scotty and Mike are the one defensive player of the year any year they played in the league (laughs) in that regard. I mean, Mike was the best – Shot blocking two guard I ever seen. This is Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade has had a lot of Mike in him in terms of that help side, you know, those help side blocks and being able to come down and double on the big man and, and actually clean up down there. Yep. Exactly. You know, not, not as tall as Michael, but he had he had instinct. You know, he knew exactly where to go get the block. You know, I think that uh, I think that Scottie Pippen, honestly, was underrated defender. I mean, guarding Magic Johnson like that, what he did to Magic in that series was incredible. And Magic wasn't a super athlete, but he was so intelligent. So, you know, to see a guy shut down one of the most the smartest players ever to play, you know, was just really scary at that point. And he I mean he picked them up full court. Yeah, he's not used to that. I right. mean, that's that's stuff we do in high school with people. You know, you know, you picked them up, you pick them up in those drills in high school and you fight like a dog for like, you know, twenty minutes out there. Scotty did that for forty eight minutes on Magic. He shut Magic down. Magic couldn't get Magic couldn't see over Scotty. He can get them passing lanes, and that, and that length, you know, that's what, that's what the new game is all about, is length. These guys are so freaking long that these passes that Magic was doing in the 80s, they were not happening out there against the Bulls. He had to get more creative with his passing in order to get, in order to get people open. Well, you definitely uh, – when Scotty pick, picked up on, on, on Magic full court, you ain't, allow, you ain't allow Magic to set. You ain't mm-hmm. allow him to call them plays and stuff like that. You put pressure on him. Not only put pressure on him, you wearing him down because he's working more. Now, Magic is good. He, he's Magic. He can score. He can pass. He can shoot and everything. So you you tie him down while your best you while your best player is resting. So they had to switch and took off and 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 praise to the uh to the coaching staff for for acknowledging that and picking that up and making that switch because that was that was what what did it to for that five game sweep because. It allowed Mike to rest. It allowed Magic to, to exert more energy. Scotty to be up on him. Scotty's tall, long, long arms. Couldn't, like you said, nobody couldn't see over him and stuff like that. And, you know, saying so he put pressure on him. Man, man, you know what? I'm going to tip my hat off to uh, Tex Winners, man. Where, where, y'all had to, they had that man sitting on the, on, the, on, the, on the bench somewhere, and that dude was a, a, a basketball genius. That was uh, your boy Doug Collins because he was in the spellers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Doug, man, Doug, you hater, man. My man, the text, man. God bless your text. Rest in peace, man. Rest in peace, for real, man. Oh, Dougie, Doug. 
Man, he was a genius in that situation. I mean, you know, you think about the ball movement was everything. I mean, you know, you, you think about the, the length you mentioned, uh, uh, Jules, in that situation. I mean, it's hard to, um, it, you know, it's, it's hard to see, you know, over somebody that with that type of size. You think about, mm-hmm. like, today's game where the centers basically disappeared, which I hope comes back because I'm just waiting for the, the rebirth of another Shaq-like fi- figure out there, Kareem or something, because – it's sad to see that part of the game missing at this point because you think about, you know, I remember Shaq came in the league. I was pretty damn excited because to watch this man destroy other grown men was just was just interesting. Mike was still beasting out there, but Shaq to me, Shaq to me was the other unstoppable force of nature at that point. You know, um, Kareem was awesome. Wilt was awesome. Didn't see Wilt. I saw a little Kareem. I think that uh, David Robinson was special. Hakeem Olajuwon was just a soccer player in the basketball player's body. And that man, <laughs> that man's footwork was just scary. You know, oh, he can move, can he? Oh, yeah, oh, he definitely can move. Yes, sir. Move. Oh, my God. I remember going to the Bulls game back in, you know, back in uh, the early 90s and watching that guy just do the dream shake at full speed on Bill Cartwright. Bill Cartwright, like he was having a seizure out there trying to guard him. It was terrible. You know? <laughs> Bill got mad. <laughs> Bill got bad hit him with an elbow, and I was like, "Damn, why you got to do that, Bill? Bill hit him with that elbow, let him know you ain't gonna make you gonna make me look stupid out here." It, that was a that was a, <laughs> that was a real West Side move right there. That elbow came out. He's like, "You ain't gonna do me like that." My family over there. <laughs> That's what happened. <laughs> oh, Bill Cartwright. Hey, it was good seeing Bill. Bill looked nice, man. Man, but what was up that hair dye though? <laughs> Damn! <laughs> I, 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 I'm just letting you know he had, he had that he had that uh what's what's that what's that that Walt Frazier you know Frazier from the Knicks and he's doing that commercial he had oh that, yeah what what is that stuff <laughs> I, well, I don't know was it just for man or something I don't know just for man you know and Frazier with that with that with that crazy wild jacket on and this thing you know he go from gray to silky black and he's smiling with pumas on <laughs> <laughs> hey hey Carver was smooth yesterday he was a little dapper. But Come you know on, what? Look like he's like. I, I, he, I, he, hey, I think, go ahead, go ahead, Novak. He's like Nene Leak's husband. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he like, like Greg. He like Greg Leak's out there. Greg, bro, that's a technical foul, Novak. Wow. Yeah, it's the same haircut though. It's Greg Leak's man. <laughs> but you know what, man? Shout out to you, Bill. Shout out, shout out to Bill, man. He, you know, he shout had that Bill. surgery to fix his, uh, to fix his voice. You, you, he, he sounded good yesterday. <laughs> He had surgery for real? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. He sounds good. Hey, Bill, you all right, man. You didn't hey. see, see the scar? I, I wasn't paying attention like that. Oh, okay. Apparently, you don't pay attention to details, uh, Julius. <laughs> <laughs> he, he don't look for Adam's apples on men, though. <laughs> oh. Oh. Uh. <laughs> oh. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 one oh Novak. Wow. I know. Yeah. Flag man, man. This is this is pulling back the curtain podcast, man. That's what we do. That's what we do. Hey, you know what? Speaking of Bill Cartwright, wasn't it funny what Jordan said about the triangle offense when he was basically like, Man, he's like, I don't want an offense where everybody's touching the ball and, and then Bill Cartwright's got the ball in his hand with five seconds left on the shot clock. He was like, That's some bullshit. <laughs> But those are facts, though. It took Bill five seconds to get the shot off. He he knew he was right. I mean, <laughs> hey man, right? Who developed Bill's shot, man? Bill, How you come up with that. 
Bill developed that himself, man. He, it's like the first time I saw the first time I saw him do that do that running man in the air with that with that release. I was like, oh wow. <laughs> His shot got blocked all the time. I know. You know, you block a shot and it goes straight up. <laughs> it goes straight up. Oh, oh man. man. I'm still waiting for that Stacey King episode right now. I want I want to hear some Stacey stories. Yeah, because right now we we not seeing nothing with Stacy except for him in those warm ups. Nah, man, he hated on Burrell real. Mike hated on Burrell real hard, man. What what what? Hey, what was that about, man? I'm like, man, it's Mike, you you ain't you ain't no snitcher, are you? Like, what nah. what was that about? Nah, man, he outed that man. You know, he's just like, you know, you know what? You got all those girlfriends. <laughs> I was just like, he had a fire back on Mike with one knee. That that would have been a whole ever end of the show. We would never solve the last dance. Now, uh, uh, Scott Burrell would have saw that. Uh, he would have felt what Steve Kerr felt. Oh, that's oh, coming. Man. That's coming, yeah. man. Uh-oh, it's coming. Uh-oh. Well, think about it. You got Steve. You know, what really upsets me with that cut. Why is Steve there? Where is Tony? You know, is it because Steve won a championship with the Golden State Warriors? I want to know why Tony's not on, Why Tony's not in the promo. It's crazy. There's been no Tony action right now. And I think Tony was way more uh, valuable on that team than Steve was. And Steve was – he was solid, though. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, he was solid. I mean, you know, Tony didn't have that personality. You know, he wasn't wearing makeup. He wasn't dressing in drag. You know, he was just <laughs> certain, you know, he didn't have, you know, he wore mics or you know, he wore whatever shoes he could find at that time. He just, <laughs> it just blended in at that point. You know, you know, I'm waiting for the Ron Harper story. <laughs> oh, they're coming. <laughs> man, uh, this, this, this documentary, man, I'm telling you, we, we, we could probably talk about this documentary for four hours. Just man, these episodes—it's been so much good stuff in these episodes. And honestly, when I'm watching them, I just get disappointed because I'm like, "Damn, the episode's over already!" Right? It's like yeah. they go by so quick. Yeah, yeah. they do. It's a, right? it's a quick hour. You're only getting 40 minutes with all the commercials. I mean, I swear to God, there is 15 minutes of commercials between every episode. Yeah, 40 minutes. And no back- and Novak, don't get me started on those stupid fucking trivia questions that they don't give you enough time to answer the fucking question. Like, what is that? I know you probably over there drinking wine. Like, come on, slow down. Let me ask you. Probably pause and answer the question and take a drink. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I, I try to. I try to get my vino into those on those episodes. Yeah. But yeah, this it, it hasn't been working out so well with me with those trivia questions. You uh, know me so well, sir. Oh, I know, man. Trivia. <laughs> you know me so well. Yeah, yeah, the trivia question's been kind of suspect, though. I want a real tri- trivia question. How many women did Dennis have sex with last night? Was it eight or 12? <laughs> he was like, wow. Oh, probably, higher, probably, I, probably more than that. All of Vegas. He's like, whoa. <laughs> and then he, ran a, then he ran an Indian run. Well, well the, way Mike, well, the way Mike said it, he was like, yeah, hey, I went in that room. He said, I'm not going to tell you what I saw in the room and who I saw. And I'm like, where are you going with this, Mike? Question is, how long did it take Mike to get out of that room and get back to practice? Wow. <laughs> you know, that door, that, door, that door closed, he sat down on that couch. Come on, come on out, Carmen. <laughs> that is a Probably good like, hey, you, you don't have to be hot. Come on. And then that dog pound came on. <laughs> Ain't no fun. <laughs> Oh, that's a hey, Novak. That's another tech. Come on, man. Oh, I know, I know, man. That's Mike, though, man. You know, Mike, Mike is the most innocent human on earth. But he, the way he tells the story, <laughs> or they were misbehaving, and I just showed up and just happened to see it. 
just, just like he told about those crackheads on that 84 team, right? Yeah. There was coke and women and weed and stuff. You know, I'm a good Christian boy from Carolina. Let me go back to my hotel room and pray. Go to my hotel room and pray. Oh, man. You know, he was in that room, man. You don't act like you weren't in that room. I mean, he was in college. That was, that was just college with money. That's all it was. <laughs> Seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what's kind of funny, too, you, uh, Novak, you brought up that, that scene on the plane with uh, Scott Burrell. Mm-hmm. And, man, I felt bad for Scott Burrell because he's probably on that, like, man, dude, like, man, who's watching this this video that, that Mike's over here just putting me out there on blast like this, right? So Scott's like, man, my mom and dad's watching this. Mike's over here talking about how he's Dennis Rodman Jr. Man, Mike went in on him, dude. That was crazy. Oh, man, Dennis Rodman. You imagine Scott Burrell with the with the choke on his neck and the black nail polish running around with Dennis. <laughs> oh, man, oh, I can I can't even imagine it, man. I mean, you never know. You, you know, you're a Carolina boy, so no telling what was going on at that point. And he a Q, so it is, it is – all things are possible. I like, I like when Sally's talking about my frat brother. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because Sally, he's an Omega, right? Yeah, he's an Omega. He's a, my frat brother, Michael. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was, it was a good episode. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you have to really watch it just to catch catch some of the jokes. And I, I bet a lot of the millennials are sitting there like, I didn't know Michael was this much of a killer. I wear shoes. Where did this come from? I mean, I think <laughs> – I know shoe sales probably went up, man. In that situation, you imagine? Did they like, drop? Hey, did they drop another uh, release yesterday? No, they didn't drop another release. I mean, they, um, you know, they dropped that. They dropped that. Uh, that pair of fives the other the other night. They sold out in two minutes, and now you got you know you got people getting them early and selling them back for like a hundred over. I mean, it's it's crazy, man. Like I'm try I tried to get away from buying the same shoes again. I bought 20, 30 years ago, but it's something about them. I mean, like, you know, my wife cracks jokes about it. How are you buying the same shoes again? What's wrong with you? Upgrade your game. <laughs> that situation, like whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know what? She, she don't get it. Uh, she won't get it. I told you just mad because you know, you can't find no Diodorus when you're in grammar school. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. You'd be fine. <laughs> Yeah, man, but when when they, you know, with that first title, uh, what man? I remember it was funny. I was talking to this, but uh, I was talking to this with my wife about this today. When they won that first title, I think everybody. Where was you guys at? Everybody in Chicago was out. Yeah, I was uh, I was at my grandma's house, man, sitting out on the floor watching the watching the game. She had no AC in the crib, so I'm like sweating like I was in church. Go ahead, man. Go ahead and continue. Oh, no. I was just – just just remember how, man, went out there and, you know, blowing the horns and people celebrating, high-fiving on the uh, on the sidewalk and driving down Lakeshore Drive and just, just, just going nuts, man, because it was the first title and it was sweet. It was, it was, it was long overdue and stuff. And it was, man, got over that hump. But uh, those those were some those were some good times, man. I remember that going to Grand Park, man, for that first title. Man, that was so much fun. Yeah. So many people too. Yeah, it was yeah, incredible. Everybody bought those uh those Bulls championship hats and shirts. And it starts with the had. with the with the cartoon with the cartoon character on them. Yeah. You talking about the, you're talking about yeah. the Illinois the, the Illinois lottery shirt? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Leave it to the state of Illinois to the profit off of a championship by selling uh, shirts that are sponsored by the lottery. I remember my grandma was collecting tickets to get it because she wanted to pay for it. <laughs> She's like, I got five more scratch-offs. I'm going to get that bull shirt. <laughs> like, okay. I mean, it, it, it was amazing. I remember, uh, I remember coming home from, I remember coming home from like basketball camp and watching Bulls games like every night. You know, working on my game and watching Bulls, you know, Bulls games at night. And the closer they get, because you know, when they got by the Pistons, that Lakers series is like a blur. You know, because the first game they lost, and everybody was just like, "Yeah, they're gonna lose it." You know, Magic and control and stuff like that. And then I remember uh, when Mike them squared up on them in the second game, and I was like, oh, okay, all right, this is getting interesting. I think once they once they drew blood and they realized they played terrible in the first game and still barely lost on that, on that Sam Perkins jump shot, they knew they had them at yep. that point. I mean, because, you know, L.A. didn't have no answer for that. You know, L.A. was built to fight the Pistons. And the Pistons, that was a much slower basketball pace, and they were, they were, shorter, they were shorter in length compared to the Bulls. So when Magic got out there and discovered that Scotty was no punk, and he discovered that Michael was really the best player in, in the league, and he thought he was mm-hmm. at that point. Because I remember Magic and, Magic and Michael went back and forth in terms of who won, who won MVPs at that point in time. It was either Magic or it was Michael. And everybody in L.A. squared by Magic Johnson. You know, we had Michael. We knew that Michael was, Michael was light years better than Magic. You know, no disrespect to Magic in that situation. But he, had, he didn't want none of that. He wanted no smoke with Michael. It was a whole different situation. Michael was a beast. Magic was a beast in a, in a different way. But well, yeah, I, I think too, in, in game two when Jordan, you know the move I'm getting ready to talk about, Novak man, when he took off from the side that free throw line, switch hands with that layup. When when the Lakers saw that, I think they knew that series was over. He he basically snatched the hearts out of their chest with that move right there. He did, and James Worthy had a flashback to what he used to do to him in practice. You know, yeah. James, not- James and Sam knew who that was. You know, they both Carolina boys. They both Tar Heels. They were like, oh damn. I like that somebody let this dude in, and that's what it was like. The look on their face was disgust. Magic, like he had hope for like thirty seconds, and then it went away. It faded. <laughs> well, just to let you yep. know on that first game, Mike. What they lost? What they lost by what by one point? I think Mike had that last shot, and it went in the rim and went out. Mm-hmm. Right. So there was a couple. That, yeah, they and then and right, they didn't play well, and then <laughs> when they. You know, game one, game two. Oh yeah, it was in it was in the bag. You know, plus Mike was playing for something. I, the, the Bulls was hungry. Yep. The Bulls was yep. hungry, flat out. They was hungry. Yep. They want that. To, and Mike, Mike was gonna do whatever he gonna do, Pippen right behind him to get that to get that uh, uh that ring, that championship. Because Mike, he said he said himself, he said, "Man, I want to be in that class with Magic and, and and Larry." Here's his chance, and man, he he snatched he snatched it away from him. And, and and Magic gave him his props. He said, "Man, if if I was had to lose anybody, it'll be MJ." Yeah, he he definitely gave it up to him. And you know, the big thing too that I saw with Mike in that in that series was how much he passed the ball and how much he trusted his teammates. And that was a big oh, yeah. difference between Mike earlier in his career and in that moment, right? So you saw how many times he found Pax for those open jump shots, right? Mm-hmm. That was well, like, Pax was Pax was knocking him, just draining him. Hey, go ahead, go ahead, Novak. I mean, you know, it's just it's the trust and the fact that, you know, once he realized the triangle made his life easier, he started using the triangle. I mean, he, he rebelled against it for a while, but once he realized, oh, my God, these guys get open shots, it was eye-opening at that point. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, Mike saw Scott, we saw Scotty grow up in front of our eyes. Scotty grew up in that Lakers series. The Pistons, the mm-hmm. Pistons, you know, pretty much sodomized 
Pippen for years, and then he got they did. I mean, no, so they got they got they got you know, hardcore man. But when he got he got to that Lakers series, he was a man at that point. He played so nice in that series. Nike decided you might get your own shoe, Scotty. <laughs> we believe in you <laughs> at that point. I mean, you know, Mike, he got him too, didn't he? Yeah, he, he got the yeah. yeah, he got he got the airs, man. You know, I remember yeah, those. Yeah, he got them. What Air Force, right? Yeah, you know the ones air on the side. You know the um, the Air Max. He got those bases. Oh, I had a pair of them. Okay, Air Max. Yeah, I mean he arrived. I mean it took him. I mean it took Scotty. Like well, it took Scotty some time to get there. But when he got there, it was like a it was like a it was like a bum going off at that point because he pretty much was the second best player in the NBA at that point. Nobody wants to admit yeah. it, but you know, and people, you know, you got these Mount Rushmore's and basketball and stuff like that, and you go. How the hell can Scotty not be in the parking lot? And you know, there's other players who are less championships, less accomplished, and they'll say that, oh, Mike carry Scotty. No, they carried each other in that situation. So I mean it's it's almost disrespectful that we never talk about Scotty in the top ten. It's disrespectful at that point. I mean to put that's a valid point. To valid put point. some of these guys ahead of Scotty, and Scotty did a lot for the game. Scotty is the prototype for every player that basically is a three, is you know, is, is you know, is a big guard out there. Or a big three out there, wing was running the point at this. I mean, LeBron, if there's if there's no Scotty, there's no LeBron James. There's no there's there's no um, T Mac. There's a lot of things missing. Mm-hmm. Well, I will tell you one thing. When when I think of the three position, I think of Larry and I think of Pip. Mhm. Yeah, I can see that. Larry, Larry is a different type of animal. Scotty. Scotty to me is more well-rounded than Larry. Larry's a Larry's a better shooter and was tougher than Scotty for a long time. Right. I mean, Scotty didn't get tough. He got that little tattoo on his arm, Pip. I remember he got the Pip tattoo. And everybody's just like, <laughs> really, oh my God, he's been working out this summer. Is that a tattoo on his arm, you know? I mean, you know, that's when Scotty. That's when Scotty got that toughness. I remember the first time I was in the gym and I saw the Pip tattoo. I saw him in the gym. I was like, oh, okay, you got a tattoo now. All right. <laughs> so, he's been hitting the weights. I mean, and Mike was bigger than Scotty in person. You know, physically, right. yeah. I mean, Mike Scotty was built like a like a bouncer back in the day. You know, when you know when Scotty found the weight room, he went a little bit crazy than Mike. Mike was big, but Scotty was bigger than Mike. But people don't. People always act like, man, Scotty was soft. I mean, no, nah, he was soft about seven years of his NBA life, and then he felt that he felt that weight room, and it was a different beast. Yep, that's true. You know what, Novak? You you bring up a real good point, man. Can you imagine uh, Jordan and Pip uh, in this new era of uh, basketball with all the the sports science and nutrition and training that these guys are doing now in the league? They started it. To be honest with you, they started it. I mean, to a, to a, to a degree. But yeah. yeah. Well, think about it. You know, Michael's blueprint was Michael's blueprint carried over to Kobe. Kobe watched everything Michael did, and he said, "This is how Mike put the weight on. This is how Mike got stronger. This is what this you know he took you know he took weight. He took Mike's fade away. He took Mike's footwork. So he had the blueprint. He had a head start on being great, just watching other great players. I mean that situation. And then you think like LeBron James saw Le- LeBron James saw Kobe's work ethic, which came from Michael. If you look at the DNA of basketball players." And he stole a little bit of that DNA. I don't think he has – I don't think he's as polished uh, fundamentally as, you know, Mike or even Kobe on the footwork side of the house. He's trying. He doesn't have that – he doesn't have that mental fortitude, uh, you know, with the, the fundamentals. I mean, LeBron's solid, but his footwork is lacking compared to, like, Kobe or, or Michael. 
But I would say that, you know, athletically, he's in the ballpark with them. You know, I think uh, IQ-wise, maybe, you know, you know, they're in the same classroom. But I think, you know, one guy sits in the back and the other one's, the other one's by the door. <laughs> I mean, but I think, <laughs> I think that, you know, they started the whole workout thing. I mean, they're the reasons why we started lifting weights. When you think about it, because mm-hmm. everybody wants, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, everybody was swole. Mm-hmm. You know, now these kids don't know what the weight room look like. They really don't know. Everybody's a pipe at this point. Yeah, they, they all look like Travis Scott for sure. Don't got Astro. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, you no, you guys pretty. You know, you see the validity in, in both of you guys. What you're saying, like Novak said, to piggyback off you, they started. You know, what I'm saying Mike had this blueprint and stuff. Hey, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna hit the gym. We're gonna get a couple. We're gonna get tough. When you start putting on that putting on that size, you can start taking hits. Mm-hmm. You ain't gonna feel it. You're gonna bounce off. People gonna bump into you and move because you you put that size on and you're more solid. Mm-hmm. It's muscle now. Now if you would have if you would have put them in today's era, oh my God. I don't know what you have. It'll be like a space jam. Oh like the, um, them cartoon characters, man. I, I couldn't imagine it, right, dude? Like there's no head checking, right? And mm. the way that they call fouls, Jordan will probably average right. 50, 50 a game, right? Mm-hmm. Dude, 50. you can't – right, the way they call fouls, no hand checking and stuff like that. And if you get touched going in the hole, I mean, it, nobody really plays defense. You can't guard nobody. I mean, you know, you, you, can't, you can't move your feet quick enough and you can't use your hand to get back in front. So, like, right. LeBron, like LeBron James is so goddamn strong – that you got to play him and you can't touch him, you know. And the sad thing about it is, how do you stop it? You can't stop it. They stop. No, Shaq. that's just that, <laughs> yeah, right, right. That that's just for the side of the game. That's all. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. right, it's unfair. It's unfair because, like mm-hmm. you said, LeBron what two what sixty? He wish fifty. <laughs> and I think he's two fifty. I think he's two fifty. Like you know, four or five years ago, that guy might be about two eighty muscle. And you know, and oh, you got and 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 HGH probably. there's something going on there. I mean, like you know, <laughs> you know, you know, head sizes don't change. Head sizes don't change like that unless you get some help. You know, no one's head gets bigger in life. You know that situation unless you get a little bit of you know antler spray or whatever you got over there. But I think that you know, I think that you know, you can't guard a guy. That's six eight six nine two forty two fifty. It, you know, I'm being generous Ooh. right now. Running hundred miles per hour, doing a four four forty, coming at you, you know, with a basketball. He he already took two hey. steps. You know what? Now that you now that you now that you say it, hey, I wouldn't be playing no defense either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he too. He talking about some two seventy six 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 seven. Running full speed. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Why? Why am I? I ain't taking no charge. <laughs> well, I, I, I tell you what, the Kirk Heinrich used to take those charges against LeBron all the time. We ain't seen Kirk in years. We don't know what Kirk's doing. He might be in a chair. You never know at this point. You know. Yeah, I, I, I hope I hope you're all right, Kirk. Yeah. You know, right. Let us know, man. <laughs> yeah, Kirk. Two, hey, hit us up, man. Let us know you're okay, man. I forgot about you too, Kirk. It's a good thing y'all said something. <laughs> He was yeah. he, hey he was he was hard nosed, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he was a tough kid. That's a tough kid right there. 
He he got a couple of broken bones in his face. He wore that mask a few times dealing with LeBron and them. I mean, yep. you know, there's nothing you can do about that. I mean, I think I think personally, you think about it. Um, you know, players that size. You know, a player that size in this era, it's like a dinosaur running around out there. I mean, if you put Mike and Scotty in this era, you put Xavier McDaniel and the rest of the goon squad out there, he wouldn't know what to do because he's not used to seeing another player that physically nasty come come assault him at this point. You know, you think about Xavier McDaniel was the size of LeBron. Now think about that. You know, uh, think about Bill Lambeer and, and Vinnie Del Neg- uh, you know, and uh, Vinnie Johnson, the rest of the killers out there. They were beating the shit out of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these, they these were. Are gr- these are grown men. You know, you know, back in the day, you did four years in college. Some of them did four years in college, two years in jail, and ended up in the NBA. And they were just big. They were just, <laughs> they were just big as hell, man. In that situation, I remember like, the difference now is a pickup game today is there's a chance in hell you could be strong and everybody out there. Back in the day. Doing, you know, lifting 200, 300 pounds, it didn't get you much because everybody out there was swole. Everybody out there was just, you know, waiting to hit you at that point. I remember I remember being a kid and going to the parking place against 20-year-olds and coming home and feeling like, I, you know, I got whooped. And that's what you went through. <laughs> so, but, I mean, you know, but, you, but you know what, Novak, it made you better, though, you know? Yeah, they laid you out. They talked to you. They, you know, they talked nasty to you. They tell you they know your mama, all types of stuff. You be looking like, you don't know my mama. <laughs> 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 they, they like they like he gonna crown he he gonna crown to walk home. Mm-hmm. He'll crown walk home. I'll pick up tonight. No, you're not. You ain't coming to my house. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it was it was a different world back then. I mean, you know, now got guys on banana boats and happy to see each other, kissing each other on the cheek, and you know, you know, magic kiss Isaiah. But that's as far as we went. And that's that was it. That now, was it. Not a vacation together and paint their toenails together. I don't know what's going on. You know, Dennis painted his toenails alone. <laughs> situation. Nobody <laughs> oh, oh, man. Well, Thank so, you know stuff. what, Novak, Novak, you bring up a good point, right? So when you talk about the, the two eras, right? So when you think about a lot of times people make uh, comments about the fact that Jordan struggled to beat the Pistons, right? Mm-hmm. But these teams now in this new era, LeBron never had the face of Jordan rules. He never had the face of physicality of what Jordan had to go through. I was looking at some videos on YouTube earlier. Mike got laid out. Like, anytime he would go to the rim or anywhere around that rim, I was listening to what Brendan Malone was saying about their strategy with Jordan. It was like, hey, they wanted to, you know, use, like, different angles on him to force him, like, to the baseline. And if he, for some reason, made it anywhere near the basket, they were laying him out, right? Mm Mm-hmm. LeBron doesn't have to face that. You can't even touch a guy like a LeBron or a Harden because those guys just get to the line. They they get they get to shoot too. Harden got the ugliest game in NBA history, but it's but he might be the most efficient scorer I ever seen because he's built for this era of basketball. He's he's a walking 15, 20 free throw free throws a night guy. He might get he might hit a couple threes, make some layups, and he got thirty five. Yep. You know, you know, if I played if I played in the NBA today, I'll just go to the free throw line. I'll make a living. I'll just, you know, if you shoot 80% from the free throw line, if I get eight free throws a quarter, <laughs> that's 32 a game. You know, in that yeah. situation. That's the way I look. I always looked at basketball like that. Like, I need two buckets here. I need three there. I got 20. And that's how basketball works in that situation. It don't take a lot to get 20, 30 a night. It, it just takes a lot. It takes it take some scratches. It takes some crying out there a little bit, getting up, and then you got 30. You know, yeah. there's no, you know, 
you know, Harden's getting an easy 30. I mean, LeBron's getting an easy whatever at this point. And they and they don't have Lambeer and Mahorn waiting uh, under the basket for him. No, it's no, it's no goons out there right now um, no. in that situation. Uh, you know, we have no goons in that situation, Brad. So you think about it like, Who's the who's the most opposing player in the NBA? Who's the one guy in the NBA? James Johnson is the one dude they don't want to fight right now because he's a martial artist. Everybody I else agree. is, is I, fair game. And I agree. I agree with that hundred percent. And then one of those Morris twins, the one uh, who's the one that was with the Knicks. Oh, they soft. They soft. Oh, but he was trying to fight everybody this season. Well, you know that's what happened. You know sometimes he, you know, I, I'm gonna say something. You know what it was in that situation that he's a shade, he's a shade away from being light skinned so he's trying to prove himself every night, and that happens sometimes. <laughs> you know where you know you got to be a tough guy out there. You ain't no tough guy. I mean, you know, there's tough guys out there, and there's people out there. You know, like think about it. James Edwards was a tough guy. Buddha, Buddha, Buddha was a tough guy. He ain't never had to say I'm gonna kick your ass. He just look at you the wrong way. You know, like. Uh, there were people like that. I mean, like today's game, I know tough guys out there. I mean, you know, there are people out there that look the part, but they're giggling. Every time somebody do something, they think it's cute out there. So it's a, it's a different basketball. It's a, it's a different league at this point. I mean, I think, I think John Morant, a couple other players about to bring that nasty back. You know, there's something about John Morant that reminds me of Isaiah Thomas. There's something about him in those, in those uh, Memphis Grizzlies. There's some nastiness in Memphis. <laughs> that, that, that team wants all the smoke with anybody and everybody. Oh, Andre Iguodala, Stephen Curry. They be on social media just, just being thugs, man. Memphis, you know, I, I respect yeah. them. I mean, I, I like it in them. I mean, Josh's a little dude, but it's that Zeke in him, you know, that he's smiling with the hoodie on the two gold hoops in his ear. But, you know, deep down inside, you want to take your heart out. And I respect that. You know, that's a kid that came from nowhere and blew up. On the big stage, came from nowhere. Nobody, you know, he was he was you no know, highly sought out to recruit. He didn't get AAU love the way Zion got. I mean, this guy, this guy is great. Yeah, he played with Zion there, you, but he wasn't the focal point. It was always Zion in that situation. This guy gonna be a beast. I mean, uh, we need a you podcast just to talk about the young the young guns that are coming. The young bulls are pretty awesome that in the league. Yeah, we yeah we gonna have to definitely do a future episode on those guys because you're right. Uh, that that uh, John Morant. He, he he's a he's a hell of a ball player, and he cracks me up when he talks about his father being his first hater. So you got to think about that type of motivation that he brings to the court. Mm-hmm. Man, he, he's a he's a dog. So, uh, no, you know, actually, I'm gonna turn this over to you, Jules. Uh, Novak brought up the point about Isaiah Thomas and just his role and how you know he brought that Chicago tough mentality to the Detroit Pistons. Do you feel as a Chicagoan that you could ever forgive Isaiah? Because, you know, you know how we feel here in Chicago. We, we ride with our Chicago legends, right? So anyone that comes from Chicago, we ride with them, right? But for some reason, you know, we probably know why, but Isaiah doesn't get that kind of love. Do you think the Chicagoans will ever forgive Isaiah? Man. Man, Chris, that's a, that's a tough question, man. No, I don't think he'll get any love, man. <laughs> no, I don't think, no, think he'll get any love, man. Uh, uh, see, the thing is, man, even though Isaiah Thomas, you know, from the shine, stuff like that, West Side, stuff like that, see, he was going up, he was doing things against the Bulls and stuff, and we was loving some Michael Jordan and, and, and Chicago Bulls. 
and when and the stuff they was doing, we were seeing and stuff like that. We was like, oh man, this is man, this is bogus, man. Over there beating up on the bulls like that. And when the bulls finally won, we was like, yeah, man, cool. Vindicate, revenge, we good. And walk off like some punks. It's like, all right, okay, cool. <laughs> but you know what? Hey, man, I take that back. I just thought about it. We live in a society day today where, you know, uh, it's 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 a little soft, man. So they might uh, one day Zeke might get a he might get a forgiveness, man. We all might be gone though, but he'll get a forgiveness one day. Well, I guess I guess the way I look at Zeke in this situation is that. You know, Zeke was our was our Derrick Rose before Derrick Rose is Derrick Rose in that situation on the West Side. So I mean, you know, personally, ain't no hard feelings or anything about that. You know, when the Bulls weren't playing, you know, I you know I had a Pistons hat unfortunately back in the day. I had a Bad Boys hat back in the day after you know after they played the Bulls though, but not during the series in that situation. That, that, that. That's some bad parenting, though, back. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know it was. I mean, it let, me, the season. Well, it let me be an individual. So, you know how that There you go. That's so, right. So, That's you know, so, you know, the thing about it is, you know, man, you know, growing up out west, you know, being surrounded by that type of basketball you know, royalty in that situation, you know, you, you know, you talk, you talk Ronnie Fields, you talk Isaiah Thomas, you talk Mark McGuire, you, you talk Eddie Johnson, you talk yes. – uh, Ricky Johnson, you know, Ricky, you know, you know, Ricky was on the West side too. Uh, Ricky Green, you know, was on the West side. So you talk all those killers, man. You know, I forgot about Terry Connors, you know, in that situation. Those are the last of the great killers. You know, when I was a kid, they were kicking people ass. You know, you go to the park and just that guy out there built like he, like the you know, fight dogs or something out there. And you see these guys, you'd be like, Oh my God. And you know, with, Isaiah, yeah, you get a pass. I get my hood pass on that because I understand him. I mean, Pat Beverly right now is the reincarnation of Isaiah Thomas without the skill set. I think, think, (laughs) you know, Pat Beverly is the only thing that resembles the West Side out there hooping right now. And you see it, and you be like, oh, my God. He's like, you know, it's like you you look at us like dogs in this situation. I mean, he – he, his pedigree is straight is straight West Side, and you see it in the nastiness and the, the way he played defense. Ain't scared of nobody, you know. Looking at LeBron like he's small, and that's you know that's that's what that's what you need in the game. Sometimes you need that in order to let these stars know that I'm just as hungry as you. I don't care if you make more money. We put our shoes on the same way you put your shoes on, and that's what you know. That's why I respect about um, Isaiah in that situation. I mean. Considering the fact he's a small dude, you know, in that situation. I think I was bigger than Zeke in eighth grade. So it's like <laughs> he's, a, he's a small dude. And basically he didn't have bounce like, you know, a lot of people on the West side. But, he, you know, he had that handle, man, you know, in that situation. So, you know, I give him respect on that because I always wanted that handle. You know, I got other gifts in that situation. But, you know, to see a guy, you know, just put the ball on the string. I mean, Tim Hardaway used to do it, you know, back in the day, you know, come over from Carver and put it on the string at different camps. You know, see that, see these, you know, I'm just going to throw out the west side and south side, I think, say the city of Chicago. You know, we've been blessed to see a lot of great basketball players, you yep. know. And, yep. you know, Isaiah Thomas always going to have a pass here because he's part of that, that legacy. I mean, you know, Isaiah, you know, if there's no Isaiah, there's no love for there's no love for the Bulls. There's no love for the franchise. The Bulls suck for a long time, you know. 
It took them to the to the to Mike come to basically get respect as a franchise. People are supposed to take us back under the door at the United at, at the Chicago Stadium. They used to return the tickets. So Yeah, that, that that stadium was empty. So you know, to say it like this, before Mike was great and Mike turned the city out, it was Zeke City at that point. You know, Zeke still, you know, you could put a Zeke statue somewhere far, far away from the United Center. <laughs> but you could definitely put one on Madison, you know, the other side of Madison, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the 5200, that could be Isaiah statue. You can't put one over by the United Center. But you can put one in the 5200, the 60623, or the 60644 any day of the week. But, um, you know, I got respect. You know, I, I respect the OG in that situation because, you know, the, the OG showed us how to win. He taught Mike how to win, unfortunately, not in a good way. He gave him West Side rights of passage. And that's, and that's the reason why I think Mike is tough as he is. You know what, Novak? I, 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 thought I, I thought I would be there with you by the end of this uh, episode or to, towards the end of it. I'm still not there yet, man. But I will tell you this. I got a ton of respect for Isaiah's game. I, I respect uh, the, where he came from, obviously being a, a Chicago legend, um, what he did at Indiana, and obviously, you know, being in the NBA as a six-foot guard out there tough, jump shots, taking it to the hoop. I mean, Isaiah was a beast, man. And, and people don't realize this. If that Achilles didn't pop, he probably would have went on and played even longer than he did. So mm-hmm. I, 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 still, I still don't know if I can forgive him just yet. But I think the big thing for me was just that walk-off. And he still talks a little greasy for my for my for my liking. He he was on mm-hmm. first thing and he was yeah he was just, you know he was talking a little greasy man. I don't, I don't know man. So well, I don't know. Well, you know the grease is good. You know I was, was you know I had a tear in my eye and said I'm from the west side. <laughs> like, yeah, he did say that, didn't he? <laughs> I'm from the west side. I ain't, I ain't running for nobody. And I was like, wow. He just I had a Columbus Park flashback. I had a Moore Park flashback. I looked around. <laughs> You know, those words send chills down the spine today because, you know, that's just the way he talk. I mean, like, you know, Mike, we adopted Mike in this city, in an NBA. Mike became our dude from another, from another place. You know, if Mike grew up here, hell, Mike might, Mike have, might have 10 championships he grew up in Chicago, to be honest with you, or he'd be the most hated man ever, you know, in that, that regard. I mean, you think about, you know, those life events shaped him into the asshole he is. You know, that's an asshole in every champion, to be honest with you. I don't think nice guys win championships. Assholes win championships. Assholes are great teammates who win championships. The only nice one I can ever think about is David Robinson. Oh, man. Dave was, Dave was in the Navy. He's an asshole. So. <laughs> He's in the Navy. <laughs> so, you know, David don't get no pass for that. You know, David, David yeah, had his yeah, own. Yeah, you definitely have to have some, you definitely have to have some type of. He was no swag about you to, you know, yeah. kind of stink. You got you have like a little stank little attitude about you to kind of, you know. Being in the Navy, I mean, you can't, you know, walk around with a white little suit on talking about, excuse me. He wasn't doing that, you know. <laughs> 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 you know, uh, David, no, it's no softening, David. You know, Navy, the Navy works hard. You know, everybody I know in the Navy is, you know, they, they pay some dues, you know. No disrespect. No, don't, the only reason I, I just came for David was just because I, I remember what Dennis Rodman said about playing for him and how he had no respect for him. So, well, he was older and gentler at that point. You know, and Tim was trying to, you know, he was too busy mentoring Tim. You know, and I think after he got that 71 in the NBA, he was, it was all downhill. You know, that year he got the 71 and they drafted Tim the next year. 
Right. That was, you know, that was the, that was the most selfish seventy-one I ever seen in my life. I mean, he got it. Mm. He, you know, Greg really, Greg Popovich really wanted him to get that seventy-one. He wanted that scoring title that bad. <laughs> he went for seventy-one. It was crazy. <laughs> no, that's definitely true. Well. The, the thing that I wanted to, to throw with you guys before we get out of here was you see how Jerry Krause was going to the media, reminding everyone that Phil wasn't going to return for, uh, you know, a, an upcoming season, right? And I don't know why he was so hell-bent on doing that. But where was Jerry Krause during all this? Like, Jules, like, what was up with that? And, hey man, here's, here's the funny thing about it. I tried to look it up. And I can't come up with nothing. So we don't know what the hell he was doing. I know one thing what he wasn't doing, he wasn't telling Jerry Krause to shut his ass up for, uh, <laughs> for linking that stuff, uh, uh, talking to the press, talking about, yeah, if it, you know, no matter what, Phil ain't coming back. And then Mike already told you if Phil ain't back, he ain't back. And you were right. trying to get – you trying to play for another uh, another ring. And here yep. we go. It, 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 come on, man. It, you can't – you can't put that type of curse against a team saying all these things, putting putting roadblocks in there, and you, they have to stay focused. They have to stay sharp and stuff. Man, Jerry, I, man, I don't know what he, I don't know what he was thinking about, and I don't know what hell Ryan's over at, was at. Man, was, man, that was just like we said on on another on another uh, show. It was just that boy couldn't control that team. He wasn't gonna get control of that team. And so he was like, you know what? I'll tear it up. And that's pretty much that's about it. Yeah, I agree. I agree in that situation. So, you know, what went down basically is that he lost control. There were so many egos in the room. And, you know, Phil Jackson probably had the biggest ego of everybody, but he 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 was really good at orchestrating the circus at that point. So, you know, he was a hippie. He was a hippie. You know, he let them do what he wanted to do. He probably he probably smoked with them, drink with them, and they couldn't understand it. <laughs> And that boy, you know, <laughs> he probably he probably been out to Vegas and Robin a few times. He probably that's how he probably met Jenny Buss. and stuff, man. Mm-hmm. That's why him and Robin was so close. He, he yeah. was just like him back in the days, man. What's that? What's that song? Chess rapping? You know, they do the same drugs. <laughs> 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 no, they were doing the same drugs. <laughs> so I mean, you know, you think about <laughs> you think about what Reinstorf. The problem was, I think that he's always had a hands-off approach to the Bulls. You know, if you think about it, and also whenever, whenever he's gotten, I'm gonna say it personally, whenever I feel like he's gotten enough returns investment from the Bulls, the White Sox get good magically. They spend a lot of money after every Bulls debacle, and you know, right now you think about it, they won a championship right after the Bulls, and no one cared. <laughs> in the city, it was sad. You know, I remember going. I remember going. I remember going down there. Um, at that point, what was it called? Was it the sale at that point? I think yeah, it was the sale at that point. It was a sale. That's so many different. I remember standing outside with tickets, not going into the game. I sold my tickets and got back on the red line and went back to the ball. I was like, this is really messed up because you know, I you know, I didn't get, I didn't get, I didn't get that much more than face value. But when the Cubs got good, I got four times face value. I was standing outside Wrigley talking about who need them. And they were gone at that point, you know. But the white size tickets, I sold them to a crackhead out there. And I got, like, about $25 over, and I got back on the train and went back to campus. That's how bad it was. Well, <laughs> so, as, much, as, much, as much as it pains me, this is a Cub city, man. It's a Cub city yeah. in that situation. Yeah, I mean, you know I, you, know, I want, you know, I want the white size to do well, but that, that stigma of watching the Bulls struggle and watching the cash bleed out the United States and watching them put that bad product on them for all them years – 
upsets me because I know we built White Sox teams off bad Bulls teams. And, you know, if, you know, if he sold the Bulls and he kept the White Sox, I respect him more at this point because I think, I think the Bulls basically, you know, they helped the White Sox win championships. You look at all that Bulls money that's going into the White Sox right now, it's nuts. I mean, and the White Sox will probably win again in two years. Or maybe, or maybe when this um, COVID thing is over, they're gonna win one. Yeah, they're coming. They come. Oh yeah, they they that team is stacked, man. They're, they're coming. They're, yeah, yep. they come. They coming, but you know, I mean, Ryan's door. If he only gets involved in baseball like that, you know, him and Kenny over there, they they can run a tight ship. You know, with the Bulls, the Bulls is more like a hobby to him at this point. And I think he just watch. He wants to see what Cross can do to top this one. I mean, I think it's like being wealthy and getting bored at the same point. I think we got the greatest player ever. Let's see if we can do it again. Can we build another Michael? And they tried. <laughs> they tried. And they have. They haven't been able to build another Michael. It's a curse. Derek blows out his ACL. We're right back. We're right back at you know. Right back at one. Like Brian McKnight would say, we're right back at one. He yep. blows. He blows out his knee. We're cursed. You know the White Sox get good again. We ain't got. You know we got a new management team for the Bulls. I feel bad for them because nobody wants to come here. I don't know how you are gonna get them here. You know, we ain't in Miami. The weather sucks. Yep. <laughs> COVID ain't you, helping. I tell you one thing, Novak. They got one year to show these uh these free agents that they they they're, they're serious. You know. Uh, I mean, I mean, right now the problem is there ain't nothing out there. We going to get the Greek freak to come down the express. Come down two ninety two ninety four right now. I mean, no, that's not happening. No, he going to he going to the Bay Area. <laughs> he going to be yeah. a Golden State Warrior. Yeah, you you said you said that on the first episode. Yeah, the man's gonna be a ghost state where they will figure it out. Draymond might be homeless. They will figure it out. <laughs> it's like you don't need Draymond if you get to get the Greek freak. He'll do everything. That's well, Draymond. Dray- with, yeah, Draymond's gonna talk his way off of Golden State anyway. He's doing his media tour right now. He needs to shut the fuck up. Need to restructure his deal and let the Greek freak come. <laughs> That's what he needs to do. Yep. Take a pay cut for the team. Right. Who said that you got to, you know, if they ask you to sacrifice, it happens to everybody in <laughs> that situation. It's his turn. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Jewel, so when Novak brought up some many good points about uh, Jerry Krause's ego when it came to uh, breaking up the dynasty and pretty much why Jerry was so absent, why do you think Krause was so hell-bent on not retaining Phil as the coach? I, well, I think, like I said, like I said, the only thing I can come up with is that Phil was, Phil was, Phil was an alpha, alpha dog, and Jerry didn't like it. He had, he had to go. I, because I, I, I don't see another rhyme or reason why you would say in the middle of the season, "Hey, I'm, a, I'm gonna get rid of this, this, you know, Phil ain't coming back," and he got you five championships. Yeah. What's he doing wrong? What's he doing wrong? Tell me. We, we don't so. Obviously, it's it's a personal thing. He just don't like the man, the man, or, or he can't control him. So he's like, you know what? Since he ain't gonna do what I say, I'm gonna get rid of him. Because other than that, what what else? What else we got? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you see what we have had, and it's been absolutely nothing. So yeah. right. <laughs> well, we curse at this point. You think about it. We're, we're fucking cursed. I mean, you know, the NBA guys, the basketball guys, look at Chicago and basically take away everything that's, that's good and positive. <laughs> that's the best way to put it. I mean, I see. I mean, think about it. Think about the bad luck over the years since Michael. 
you know, you put the statue outside. We've lost like what forty percent of our games besides besides the, the year Derek uh, went sixty two and twenty, and we won the Central Division. We've been garbage every other year. We were garbage the first year he was here. You know, first year Derek was here. We barely, you know, we barely got into the playoffs, played the Celtics, and we lost. History repeated itself. He showed out in Boston, and we lost. Who else showed yep. out in Boston, and we lost? And then he had an injury, and Michael had an injury. And you think about it. I mean, it's like the you know the history is repeating itself at this point. But the difference is, we gave up. We gave up on the injured on the injured player quicker than we should have in that situation because we let the media and social we let social media. Well, ESPN, LeBron James dictate how we go, how we build a championship team, and that's what happened. That situation, he got in our heads. Basically, we blew up our team, and then he blew up Cleveland and left the East. And the East is trash. So, yep. you know, we would have been we would have been contending every damn year with what we had. We would have got to the finals a few fucking times. You know, be honest with you. And every time I think about that, I get angry because it makes no damn sense to be blew up that quick. I mean, he was aging. And that point, he was agent and he was running out of teammates. He's a basketball vampire. He couldn't find any more young players to play around him. I mean, this is his last player that he could suck you from, Anthony Davis. After that, what's up? You know, at that and point, he, I mean. And, and he better hope that Anthony doesn't jump ship this summer. Hey, Chicago was very entertaining, AD, you know, in that situation. Come home and win a championship like Brian did in Cleveland. Show him how it's done in that situation. You could get, you get two or three here. Which, you know, Larry Markin would be the odd man out, but if we got Anthony Davis here, sales pitch. yeah, if you got Anthony Davis out, you got Anthony Davis here, here, run the city. You get Anthony Davis back, you bring Derek back just, just just to be here at that point. Oh, man, you know what that would do? What type of basketball story that is? The NBA, you know, we would win a championship just off emotion of at that point. <laughs> I, would, I would love that, man. I would love that, man. D Rose, in my opinion, should have never been traded. Should have never been traded. No, I mean, you know, we got caught up in politics of Jimmy Butler and Joe Keen Noah and all this other trash going on. I love Joe. You know, I think that I think immaturity is what happened with that team. And then, you know, we didn't have strong enough management to make these grown men sit out and swallow their egos. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. that's what the problem is. That's where Phil Jackson was so awesome. Imagine if Phil Jackson right. was their coach, opposed to, you know, Tibbs didn't know how to control that shit. I think Tibbs is an awesome yeah. coach. But I'm quite sure he's learned a lot of lessons by being unemployed about how how to stay employed. And maybe and maybe and maybe that was why Kraus feared Phil so much, right? Because he saw how Phil had control over those players, but also how much trust those players had in Phil. It's all about trust. And then they didn't like him. They didn't like Kraus. No. Let's be honest. Let's be honest, they ain't like him. Anytime you and you, anytime you the you the man of the GM, you sitting up there in the front seat, and you got your you got your uh, subordinates over there uh, 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 cursing you out and, and, and talking about talking bad about you, not liking you and stuff like that, dude, you got a problem. And he hated that. He ain't like that. So you know what? I'm making example out of these people. That's he wants to be loved. He wants to be loved and feared at the same time. Right. He can't buy either one of them in that regard, and right. they turned on him. And I think with I think with Phil. Once he realized that Phil had outgrown, you know, once the puppet outgrew the master at that point, because think about it, Jerry Cross grew Phil Jackson. He gave him everything. And Phil Jackson outgrew him and, and went very zen-like in that situation and looked at him like he was trash. No, you're yep. right. You're right. You're definitely right about Jerry, that. Jerry, Jerry, couldn't, Jerry couldn't handle it. He just, he just couldn't handle it. I want to be loved, too. Yeah, <laughs> just, he just, just couldn't. And that's the only reason that we, that, I mean, that's the only thing we can come up with. Right. Yeah. 
I, so I, I can't call it, man. But, dude, this – man, I'm, I'm excited for the Sunday for, you know, episodes five and six. Man, I feel like we went real in-depth. I mean, we pulled back the curtain really well on, on, this, on these episodes today. Uh, Novak, man, you want to hit us with our uh, curtain call, our final segment here? Sure. The first thing I want to say, I want to go – this salute goes out to Phil Jackson. He understood and he knew how to connect to these players in a special way, especially the stars out there. You never have to question his loyalty with his players or his stars out there. He kept the team together in the midst of so many distractions during that last year. I mean, Phil Jackson was just, uh, you know, epitome of what it's like to be a coach. You know, I've had a lot of coaches in my, you know, when I played sports, some I didn't like, some I, you know, some, you know, basically I felt like made me a better person. But at the same time, you know, a good coach is so hard to find. I mean, that's somebody that, you know, no matter where you go in life, you could be out of sports. You could be in corporate America. That's somebody you have nothing but respect for. And those people are hard to come by. They're good people. So I always say, like, a Phil Jackson in this situation, that's a good person who did so much for, um, for people. Besides making them better players, he made them better people. Uh, Jules, right. Jules, you want to add on to that? Well, I just uh, – I, I would like to end with uh, – well, I like to say – I have a, like, a little motivational quote for today. You know, if anybody just want to get motivated and get inspired or something like that, man, I just, I want to I wanna say a little quote from my man, C.S. Lewis. And he state, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the end. There you are, folks. <laughs> that was a uh, short, simple, and to the point, but definitely, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> definitely something that people should definitely uh, apply and definitely take the, take heed to. So, uh, gentlemen, man, this is a, a great episode. Episode six in the books. We're going to put a pin in it. This is the Pulling Back the Curtain podcast. Thanks for listening. We out.